Hey, welcome. This is episode number 106 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. I'm Ted. He's Wasey. Thanks what for up? joining us. What up? Yeah, well, thanks what for joining up? us. We, uh, we're, uh, we're back. We're back. We're, we're just hey, talking we're, before we jumped on here. That We're glad uh, to be back in Canada, buddy. Good to be home. Good to be home. Good to be home. As our good friend Danny Hall says, good to be good home. To be, good to be home. Yeah. yeah. You know? I'm and not digging. I'm not loving. Not loving the 40 degree weather change, though. That can kick her yeah, ass the weather's fine you know what i didn't like is the fucking covid was, yeah bullshit no, on the way home. no you know what you know that what? was partially you know, i'm calling too. you i'm calling you out on this yeah i was mad I that was, was mad a little mad. ridiculous okay but you can't be doing that no more <laughs> but it was i was not i understand i know i get the your, i get your too. i get you're frustrated but okay. for one that doesn't add any does doesn't help you out at all getting that i mad. know we were also tired those people are just trying those people are just trying to do their job those people aren't they're nothing against you they're trying to do their job I know. I I didn't lose it on I didn't lose it on the people. I lost it at the at the fact of like what the fuck was going on because they right, give you, but a, you but, they give you a pamphlet that's apparently your fucking pass out of the out of the airport. It's just uh, the way. It's nothing you can do about it, my friend. There's no. Sense but that was up. that was the first time that I felt like it was kind of fucked up though. The whole COVID thing, like there was oh, cops yeah. at the airport, like that you, like it was it was kind of almost scary where you could like. You can get COVID and get fucking locked up at a airport hotel. Uh, quarantine hotel. Like, yeah, that makes me not want to travel. And like, I like being from Canada, but that was the first time where I felt like this is kind of fucked for sure. So for sure. that's kind of that's probably what freaked set me off, freaked me out a little bit because I was like, mm. you know, you you throw a pamphlet in the garbage because you think it's just info and apparently it's your ticket out of the airport. And then yeah. no, nowhere was it ever said. So that's sorry. That's my that's my little TED talk. Today. that's good hey man i'm just saying but anyways we had a great time anyways we did have fun did. down there man um, it was awesome it was good good to be back well before we get into that though we can't forget about our awesome friends who help support our show and it's, it's the holiday season it's december my birthday is tomorrow if what well, was yesterday if you're listening to the wednesday but my birthday is tomorrow but it's the holiday season and you put yourself in my shoes i don't have a girlfriend okay but imagine if i had a girlfriend you don't know what to get her for the holiday season. You don't want it, like a gift, socking stuff. You don't know what that is. Well, thanks to our friends at Manscaped, we have the tools to guarantee that you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant gift exchange competition. Manscaped is the leader in men's below the waist grooming, and they have served more than 4 million men worldwide. If my math is correct, that's almost 8 million balls. 4 million times two, quick math. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> get 20% oh, off and free shipping. From our friends at manscaped.com with the code huge bush from us to you. Check them out. They're awesome. We've been using their products for months now and they've been pretty deadly. So can't forget about those people, our friends at Manscaped. And last but certainly not least, our friends at Circle Four Ranch Broader and Circle Four Beverage Company. They've been on board now for a while too. They're awesome. They're still the official drink of summer. I think it's just going to roll into 2022. We also tried the American ranch water and it is not as good. So give yourself a pat on the back circle Four ranch water. You guys are killing it. Check them out on social media at circle Four ranch water or circle Four beverage company.com. Right. Is that right? I can never remember the website. I'm not you got to write this shit down, man. I think it's ranchwater.ca. 
Ranchwire.ca. That's what that's what it is. Yeah, ranchwater.ca. Ranchwater.ca. Check them out at ranchwater.ca. They're awesome. So ranchwater. And they got the sweet water. Sweet water. They got all the different stuff. Premium stuff. natural spring yeah. water made on there. And they're basically place. in every liquor store between here and, and Holy DC shit. nowadays. So they're There's awesome. location Thanks. thing here. They're all the way up in uh, Fort McMurray. They're also in Manning. How about that? There you go. There you Jeez. go. So I mean, they're over all the way almost to dust. Check Creek, them out. Request. Lake, go to your. Go to where. If you don't Lake, have it in your town, go to where you live. Jasper, to your liquor store and request them to bring in the circle right here. But anyways, thanks to them. Thanks to our sponsors. We appreciate you. They're awesome. in a lot of places, man. They're even all the way over to Estevan now. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the map right now. They're taking Estevan, over Western Canada, dude. Yeah. Tisdale. Uh, the land of, of rape and honey. Swift Current. Man, it looks like Kyle Saskatchewan is also on the map here. I'm just trying to zoom in and out, trying to figure out how this map. Kyle, Sus- if you want ranch water in Kyle, Saskatchewan, I'm they talking to you right now, Cody Strandquist. You can get it. <laughs> they got it. Get no excuses. Some. You can get it. You yeah. probably and if they don't it. have it at your liquor store, request it because they get any liquor store can bring hey, that shit in. And it's good I'm stuff. Looking, so. I'm looking at all our fans right now. I see you, Glentworth Peterson <laughs> family. I see that ranch water is now in your in your town. Stoughton, man, this is kind of actually crazy. There's this is like Stoughton, Saskatchewan. Stoughton, you I can get your ranch there water. for one summer. Get your ranch water. Dundurn, just south of Saskatoon. The smallest uh, ice surface in Saskatchewan. Lanigan. Uh, Lanigan. The, I think this is Watrous. Watrous. You can get your Watrous ranch water. Watrous. So fun fact about Watrous, I put the tin on the roof of the rink in Watrous. So whenever really? time you drive through Watrous, think about really? me. What about that was my first uh, ever roofing job? What's your story about Chamberlain? Because you can get ranch water in Chamberlain as Chamberlain well. Chamberlain is, is, is a pass-through town, but they have a really good place called Twisted Sister Shake Shack. It's okay. very good. If you ever need some ice cream on the road between Moose John or, yeah, yeah Moose John or John or check her out. Hey, Wace, you know where else you can get ranch water? Where's that? Hannah. Mm. <laughs> Man, you know what? <laughs> I, I've, had, I've, I've never been like I'm so torn on Hannah these days. Uh, I love. There's so many things I love about that town, but there's also so many things that cause me that agony. That cause yeah. me agony. Yeah. And you know what? I don't know where I'm at, but hey, if you want, if you're in Hannah, listen to this. I still, I think I love you, but it's <laughs> yourself some get yourself some ranch water. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. Hey, man. Okay. Anyway, Texas was cool. America was cool. They were good to us. It was yeah. awesome. It I was, think the uh, it was both of our first both of us. It was our first time back to Fort Worth in ten years. So oh, I was there has, like four years change. ago. I was there in twenty seventeen. Okay. I went to I was there for twenty eleven was last time I was there. Yeah. Um. So, but a lot of changed even in the four years since oh, you'd been there. Yeah. Like, they really cleaned it up. We got some really cool stuff there. Like yeah. Breweries, boutique shops, winery. Mule Alley. Like, Mule Alley. Drover. Doing it right, man. Someday when I grow up, I'll be able to afford to stay at the Hotel Drover. We'll check it out. But man, big time Ultimate Bullfighters World Finals. Dude, round first of time really in the bullfighting world in a long time. Yeah. Round of applause to the crew of the Ultimate Bullfighters, man. They yeah. they know how to put on a show. And like Luke Kaufman, Taylor Bells, our, our buddy Brinson James, and Reride the Wonder Dog. Bunch of slapdicks. Uh, Chad Ellison. <laughs> yeah, our crew. Uh, um, the uh, crew from Omega Pro, the uh, uh, video video provider. I got to see video. my buddy Todd Greenway for the first time in a long Todd time. Todd and Talon. Yeah, Samantha. That's a hell of a crew, uh, man. Yeah, Andre Silva, first time really hanging around that guy. He was he's a awesome. cool dude. Yeah, man, yeah, that's a lot of fun. They couldn't have, they couldn't have worked for, for our crew. first time doing that kind of deal on the pre-show kind of live. Yeah, the deal. pre-show. Thanks for, we couldn't, for tuning couldn't in. Have had a, couldn't have had a better it. crew though to like support us. Oh yeah, in that, in that regard. 100%. So blue jeans, 
the yeah. the man the man with all the knowledge when it comes to bullfighting so it was cool I, again like you said before going into something that we hadn't really had that much experience with it was awesome man like the the contestants are awesome the bull power was cool the yeah those guys was amazing great. like and and the one thing too and you and i talked about this lots throughout the trip that impressed me the most about of it all was like all of the contestants were like they're, they're really respectful and nice kids like I, I was really impressed me on that side, just how down to earth and they were appreciative of what we were all were doing there. And like the, every, everybody in the crew, like they, they were awesome. So shout out to the contestants. Cause you don't see that very often. No. Yeah. What are the, what the hell do they need to thank us for? And they, they still said, yeah. you know, acknowledge us before we left and, and yeah. treated us, treated us great. Like, cause we don't know shit about like, we no. don't know shit about bullfighting, but we did learn a lot though. Like I walked oh, out of 100%. there feeling way more knowledgeable about bullfighting. So it's cool. It's and a cool I'm a thing. fan. I'm yeah, a fan. I love it. And I it's love easy it, to yeah. follow. Part of the deal yeah. is, you know, the way they set up with the different brackets and whatnot, like it is easy to follow. It's easy to Hell be yeah. a fan, which is something that you can't always say in, in Western sports, but it, it is totally. easy to be a fan of this. I think I think there's big things coming for, for the UBF ultimate bullfighters here in uh, 2022. And there there is like, actually, we know some stuff that you don't know yet. Stuff. There's going to be some shit go down. <laughs> it's going to be pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. It's neat, man. Yeah, and thanks and even Luke like the, for having us was awesome. Yeah, that was that the the number one slapdick of them all, <laughs> getting us rounded up from down there. That was fun, man. And he he does a really good way of breaking it down for people. Like he said, oh, yeah. he's so well spoken, and a lot of the the fans in Fort Worth weren't traditional rodeo fans. Like there's a, it's a high volume tourist area, so you you'd have like probably over half your crowd or most of your crowd being first time Western event attendees, which is really cool. And like you say that having that easy to follow format and people who know what they're talking about and having the right people in place. And then we talk about lots and man, they, they knocked it out of the park with that deal. So hats off to the UBF. Well, and, and for those that don't know Luke Kaufman, uh, make sure to check out episode 83 of cowboy shit, where we visited with our friend Luke Kaufman for an entire, for the entire episode, episode 83, check out Luke. That was a heater of an episode. You t- there's some good stories one. from there. I remember it was good stuff. So it was great. So yeah. You can get the podcast wherever podcasts are found, as you know, because you're listening to us right now. <laughs> um, K-Ways, uh, what else? We took a little duck. duck we ducked yeah, over we, to, we did some uh, cool. Well, even just before we even move on to the, the second half of our trip, like there's, we have to check some cool museums, some Amy good Carter. food, man. I'm still like frothing at the mouth over the, uh, our meal at Lonesome Dove. Dove on Friday <laughs> night. Oh my God. The shout out to great. Lonesome Dove Fort Worth. Like we can, I cannot yeah. wait to get back down there and eat there. It was, yeah, I'll be back. I ate the, the nicest chicken fried steak in my entire life. And for those <laughs> who know chicken fried steak, like it's, it's hard to like class it up, but Lonesome Dove like found, they found a they way did. to do it, man. They fucking killed it. So Tim, Tim Love was the chef there, right? He yeah. was like on yeah. like Iron Chef or some crazy thing. Yeah. It was unreal. Yeah. We had, so a, jam, we had a jam up with dessert. Meal. Like, oh, dude. Mm. I kind of, that was I one of the highlights it, of the trip. If I could afford it, I'd eat there every t- every day next time we go to Fort Worth. Well, maybe if, maybe someone from Lonesome Dove will hear this show and appreciate the shout out and get a, maybe. get a, get one on the house next time. Maybe. We'll see. Um, maybe. Because it definitely was not cheap. It was a little spendy. A little eh. spendy. Pay some, um, it's to pay for some good food now again, my friend. It as is. you know. Um, well, why don't we wrap up the top half of the show here and we'll get to the interview, uh, for those that don't, we got don't the champ, he's the champ is here. Yeah. The champ is here. We've been wanting to have this guy on the show for a long time and it just, it just never really happened. Like, I don't, I don't know what happened. Like, it's kind of like what we talked about with, uh, well, with another guy we've been talking to for a long time is JB Mooney. We, we talked to him for a long time. Just hasn't happened yet. So mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we'll, uh, be back with our guest right after this. Thanks for listening. This is Cowboy Shit with Ten Wacy. We appreciate you. To stay tuned for this this long 
So uh, we'll be back with the interview after this. Big guest this week. Yeah, big guest. He's a uh, he's he's a world champion in the team roping business from 2016. Three times he's made his way to the NFR. Please welcome from his place in Arizona, Jeremy Bueller. And he's Canadian. And he's Canadian. We don't got many of those running around. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just coming off the uh, the NFR, your third trip, and. uh, I guess probably what the second most successful trip to the finals for for you so far. Yeah, for sure. We had a, we had a good trip this year. Um, 2016 was obviously real good. And then 27 was the exact opposite. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we were the low money earning team that year. <laughs> and then uh, this year was actually really good again. Yeah. We had a chance on the last year. So that's all a guy can ask for. It didn't quite go how you wanted it to on that last year, but but you guys had a shot the whole way through and still end up pretty decent in the average as well. Kind of thing besides that last one, I guess, but, but still pretty yeah, solid, sure. uh, solid week, right? It's a hundred thousand dollar week. It's you do, that doesn't happen very often. No, it's awesome for sure. And I mean, it was a decent situation but at the end of the day, that last one, we kind of had to go at them a little harder than we had been. Cause we had to place good in the round. And I mean, that stuff mm-hmm. happens. Shoot. It was a great week. When, and you guys kind of roped yourselves into contention too, right? Early in the week, you guys got hot and, place high in some rounds and then kind of gave yourselves a shot, which is kind of a cool thing too. Hey. Yeah, for sure. Like we started out the first round, I roped a leg to place and then um, we didn't have any luck in the second round. And then I think we placed in the next five or six rounds. Mm-hmm. So it was really good. And then I, I roped a leg and on maybe round eight and then uh, yeah, yeah. Round, round eight, nine, 10, four. Placed again. Yeah, yeah, four three in the fifth round, and then yeah, out of it at the fourth, like the tenth round. But like, you guys still got fourth after missing that last one. That's you could have won the won the well, might have been tough to beat uh, to beat Buddy there on on the in the uh, in the average. Those guys didn't really miss one. Him and Andrew, eh? like they were pretty solid the whole week. Didn't make any like oh, sub four second runs, but it's still you know to be f- average five five on ten heads, pretty unreal too, isn't it? Oh, they did awesome. Yeah, for sure. They, they roped outstanding. And I mean, they set the, they actually broke like a 27 year old record or whatever it was yeah. on time in the yeah. average. Oh, wow. So yeah, that was, that was good for those guys. They roped really good. Well, even to have two teams catch 10 is, is kind of not normal for the NFR. There's a lot of guys get out of that average by 10, by 10 days in. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. There might be one team that catches maybe I think the year Levi and I won the average, we missed one. Yeah. That's wild. And this year you had four teams with nine, nine times. Yeah. But that's just a good example of how much like roping's turned up so much in the last four or five years, even it's gotten so much better, so much faster. Um, And I think that's just good proof of it there. What's, what's caught, what's caused that? that that shift and to become a faster better like it's it's always been quick but like you said it's kind of been a big shift over the last few years like what's what's been causing that it's just gotten so much bigger in popularity and then it's the same as any event like someone comes along and just turns it up 
you know what I mean? It, uh, like back in the day, it was Jake Barnes. He came along, turned it up. Speed Williams, same deal. He came, then Caleb Dragers and Dustin Egeskiza. And I mean, Keelan, it's the same way. You know what I mean? The guys come along and they've just, they smoothed it out so much now. And it's probably the same. It doesn't matter if it's bull riding or, or any of those events. Like someone comes along that just has a good style. And then the thing now I think is that with all the content you can get on the internet and whatnot, I mean, people can go and study. They can be like, why is that guy better? Why is he faster? Mm-hmm. Why is he, why are his horses working this way? Where I think back in those days, like with speed or, you know, Jake Barnes and them, the only time you've seen them is when they were taking your money. So it was kind of <laughs> one of those deals where, you know, you could watch, but they didn't hardly video their own runs where now you can, you can see everybody's runs all year long. Yeah. They post them on social media and stuff and break them down. So I think that would have a lot to do with it. Um, and yeah, it's, it was crazy this summer, how much faster it got everywhere. Was, is that something that you do throughout the season is kind of watch a lot of like consume a lot of content and team roping wise, just to kind of, like you said, break it down and see what the, the, I mean, obviously you're one of the top guys, but just seeing what the other top guys are doing to make their runs quicker. Or how does that go for you? Yeah, a hundred percent. I've kind of got, my couple of guys that I watch that I feel are like revolutioning the, the healing side of things. And I try to just, you just try to stay caught up with the times because you can, you can get ran over in a hurry, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and then, so, and then what, what like horsepower wise, I think it's been a greater availability of good horses to people too. Hey, or has this been better training programs or what's that look like? All of the above, like forever team roping horses were kind of like a laughing stock, like, you couldn't do anything with a horse you team rope on it you know what I mean and, <laughs> yeah. and that's kind of that's kind of changed now I think to the point where a lot of the bloodlines are very similar to that that you'd see at like the snaffle bit futurities and mm-hmm. stuff like that so it's the same thing just the caliber of horses and it's all just yeah getting better every year which is awesome to see I mean even the horse market down here in Arizona I remember when I was young, if you heard someone gave 10 or 15,000 for a horse, you're like, holy, they're doing good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Where now you can't hardly find a prospect for 10 or 15,000. And, and the good ones are, you know, a hundred grand or 60, 80,000 like it. Yeah. So as a whole, I think the industry is just, it's getting a lot bigger and more popular maybe. And so then how many horses do you have going at any given time? Like you say, you spend your winters in Arizona. So there's a lot of time to spend and build and work on horses, rope and doing all that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. I've got, uh, I got six that I can heal on right now. And I'm always trying to find more, um, trying to find them. Same deal, just bigger, faster, stronger type horses. Uh, you know, just trying to stay ahead of the, of the evolution, I guess. When you're in Arizona, you need to have, you need to have a lot of horses cause you're here to rope every day. So you got to have, uh, you know, three or four, you can ride and you can't ride them every day. So you got to swap them out for sure. You've, uh, you've got one that you just got this year called, uh, is, do, you, do you call him house or Haas or how do you, what do you, how do you say his name? Uh, Haas. Haas. Yeah. Got him from Bucky Campbell. That was like back in, uh, like June or something. That's, that's kind of one of the newer ones. Yeah, for sure. He's, a. Uh, he's new to me, but he's actually an old horse. He's, uh, he's 17. 17 eh? Yeah. Yeah. And he's been rode everywhere. Uh, like his dad rode him at a bunch of jackpots and he's rode him at rodeos and jackpots and stuff. So he's been around the block. And I mean, he was, he was perfect for me this year. Cause you could just get on him and go, 
which is exactly what I needed there in June. Well, and then and then to go win Pendleton on them is is pretty huge too, I suppose, eh? Yeah, that's the cool thing about that horse. Like, you can win Pendleton and ride him at Salinas and stuff like that on the long setups, and then, you know, he I thought he did really good job there at the NFR too on a smaller setup. So he's just it's something about those old horses that know the drill. Well, throughout the year, how many horses are you packing around? Like when you're on the trail, you said if you if you have horses that set better on the longer arenas or like you said at the NFR, is it you kind of pack have a horse waiting in the wings if you need to make a switch? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, this last year, I packed two just because I I mostly rodeoed in the U.S. Um, but like this year, if the Canadian rodeos are going and stuff, I'll probably have one that I leave in Canada and then uh, two down here. So I'll probably have three on the go just. They get so tired whenever you're putting on the miles and stuff that uh, it's nice whenever you can give them a little break and kick them out, let them be a horse for a while, and then crack them back out again in a week or two. How, how long did it take you to find a rope company or like a certain rope that you were consistently happy with? Is that something you're swapping out all the time, trying new stuff, different different stiffness, all that kind of deal? I'm so boring with the ropes. I've used <laughs> the same rope for the last, I bet, 10 years. Um, I've been a classic, uh, power line light. I was using, uh, medium hearts, which are the hardest ones you can get. And then here the last couple of years, uh, my elbow started bugging me a little. So I moved to a little softer, use the hard medium, but yeah, now that that's all I use. So. Yeah. And then how many, how many runs do you get out of a certain rope? Are you swapping them out every two or three or like, even at the, at the NFR, are you busting out a fresh one every round or what's that look like? No, I'm, I'm weird <laughs> on that. Like. If I get one that feels good, it's set in my head that it's good. And That's until it feels weird, I won't switch it. Like I use the same one the whole time. I want to say the last like three weeks of the rodeo season, I use the same rope and it's oh, wow. just, they all feel good. But every now and again, you'll get one. Get that just, one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like anything, like some guys have lucky shirts or, or this or that or whatever. To me, it's, if you get that one rope that feels real good in all conditions, you kind of try to you know, stretch it out and keep it good for as long as you can. Have you ever got so pissed off at a rope that you just left it in the arena? Just rode out without it. <laughs> no, I remember. Okay, I've done, I've done mean things to my ropes. Like, if I'm real mad, if I miss one, more when I was younger, not so much now, but I'd be mad and I'd coil them up and just hit a fence or something with them, but I'd never leave them behind because I remember being a broke-ass kid that couldn't afford yeah. them, and I leaving a rope behind was like a $60 hit that I couldn't, I couldn't have at that time, especially <laughs> if I was mad, I probably just missed one for money. So it never made sense to leave it behind. <laughs> have you ever got, have you ever got so mad? You just cut one up right after you just go to your trailer and just like, oh, fuck this second man. No, I never have. No, <laughs> for sure. I thought about cutting myself, but never the rope. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, oh, that was good cool. shit. Yeah. For sure. Well, like, like what, what, what other equipment do you pack around? Like for people who aren't really into the team roping size, that's kind of like essential to you perform at your best. Like obviously there's, there's a bunch of different elements when it comes to team roping. Uh, I'll usually take a smarty pipes with me everywhere. It's just like a, it's basically a sawhorse, but there's, a lot more refined. The, there's what they have like slotted out, right? Like the, the PVC pipe. Yeah. It's yeah, basically, okay. um, they've got like legs formed and stuff. They're actually very realistic. Like they work awesome. And I'll take that everywhere with me and just, I mean, 
I do this because I love roping, but the hard part about rodeoing is you only get to run one steer, maybe two a day mm-hmm. usually. So in the downtime and stuff, I'll just set my dummy up, and hang out, rope my dummy quite a bit. Um, other than that, not a whole lot besides like your saddle and all that. But yeah, I like to take the, I like to take the pipes with me everywhere I go. Mm. When, how do you maintain 30 year? Like you said, you're again, you're in Arizona, you're roping every day and then you roll right into rodeo season. Like it's got to end up wearing on your body. You know, you're just team roping, you know. <laughs> you know what? It's, it's not terrible. Yeah. No, it's, it's nothing like bull. It's nothing like bull riding or bareback riding or anything like that. It's uh, to me, it's more the the mental wear down that the older I've got rodeo on. Like when I was younger, I was like, no, nope, you can't have any breaks. Like, and you honestly can't. You know, you got to be after it. But now it's more like if you can tell that you're getting a little bit short fused or or something now in my career i've got where i'm just a little quicker to go play around a golf or go shoot my gun or you know go ride the four or go do something just change up you know what i mean and that to me is a big part of it it's it's keeping yourself uh you know sort of mentally checked in is Mm -hmm. is the harder part is instead of you know physically sore yeah. Well, how, you how have you store from being a team roper? You're not doing it right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there's probably some of the, the jackpot boys who get pretty sore after a weekend for sure. Yeah. And for so, sure. so how have you, how have you built that champion mindset over the years? And like, you kind of worked your way up and won a world title not too long ago. And you said like that mindset's so huge. Like, what have you, have you read some books? Have you had someone mentoring you throughout the, the journey? Like what's that look like? You know what? A lot. I read a lot. And then um, honestly, just trial and error. You know what I mean? Like everybody's different. And I've always just like, when I started out, my mental game wasn't good at all. Mm-hmm. Like it was, you know, I'd end up in a really good spot in a jackpot or at a rodeo. And I mean, next thing you know, the nerves would kind of get to me and then I get frustrated with it. And then it builds toward the next one, which I think that's something that probably all rodeo events have in common is mm-hmm. like, you got to be sharp mentally. And the biggest thing for me is just the realization that like, it's your job to maintain your, you know, your, uh, the right mentality. And, you know, you practice roping all day, every day. So why wouldn't you practice keeping like a positive, good mindset and, and, you know, really work on, um, you know, basically work on, on the right things mentally, I guess you could say. So, so I'll read some books and listen to some podcasts and stuff, but to me, it's more every day, just the conscious decision that, you know, if something does go wrong or, or what are just trying to find the good in things. And then even if you're having a bad practice, a lot of times I'll try to find a way to look at it from the mentality, like, okay, if I was rodeoing, what would I do right now? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times you can't just, you know, skip the next three and go practice. You kind of got to figure it out on the fly. So <laughs> yeah. I really try to, uh, if I do have a tough practice, I really try to get in the zone and, you know, think about what I'd do if I was out on the road and the next steer was a, you know, a high dollar steer, how I'd get over it. Well, that's how you get that stuff to translate over. If you treat it like, like you're, you're playing for the big dough, then it's just kind of going to, when you back into the box at the Pendleton's Cheyenne's of the world, it's going to translate over from the practice you put in. Eh? Oh, a hundred percent. And then it's like just the confidence, which I think in every event, it's a little different, but um, you know, in the team roping, like that's why I have six or seven horses I can heal on why I'm in Arizona all winter. I mean, yeah, the weather's awesome, but I got to be where I can rope 
you know, all day, every day. So that when you do end up in those positions, if something goes wrong, it's almost more in your head, like, you know, wow, why, why did that happen? It's not yeah. like, man, I hope I win. It's more of a, I practiced so hard. How could that have gone wrong? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, weird superstitions like pre-run or like throughout the day you have to like wear the same undies or like <laughs> rub, your, rub your rope the right way before you put it on your saddle? <laughs> you know what? I've never been a hat on the bed guy. That's fair. I don't know what the, what the deal is. I mean, a lot of guys I've traveled with, everybody's the same. I've, I've rarely been around anybody that's okay with the hat on the bed. Um, the other one, if I get on a heater wearing a, a certain shirt, I will wear that sucker and I will not take it off (laughs) like for (laughs) a week straight. It's disgusting, but that's gross. But Hey, if it's working, you gotta, you gotta keep rolling with it. So who who, who are some, who are some of the guys you travel with? Who are some of your go-tos or you you mostly travel alone these days or what's that look like? You and Katie. I travel. What's that? I was going to say you and Katie, Katie's probably a long, long time too. Right. You know what, Katie, she's got pretty rodeo smart, actually. She's kind of got a sweet circle that she likes to go to. Yeah, she goes to like the San Antonio's, Houston's, the St. Good, the Paul. Big, the fun ones. Yeah, all, all the good ones she goes to. Um, no, mostly I travel with uh, Renner Shard. That's who I rope with. And mm-hmm. then um, her buddy team was Cole Davison and Tate Kirkenschlager. And then... Um, Benny Mosby and Juan Medina, they jumped in like this summer. It was a lot of fun. There's a lot of times where there was, uh, you know, six of us in a rig and shoot, we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Would, would there be six horses along too? that? Is that how you guys would do it? That seems like, like a lot in one truck. Are you guys sharing, sharing horses a bit too? Uh, we had a five horse trailer and normally we had two rigs going and then, oh, okay. uh, Juan, he just, Juan's like a, mascot helper he doesn't rodeo he just oh okay. he helps us out and stuff like that so it uh yeah there were a lot of moving parts but it was really good oh that's funny. you and uh do you and ren ever get mad at each other like if you like have a bad <laughs> run there's just some awkward silence in the truck or like what what do you guys is there some ditch no. fights how does that go down no never <laughs> never, never. yeah a, right i swear on everything yeah, i've right. had i've had some partners where I would have loved to have a ditch fight. With <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were way back in the day though. Like oh, okay. when you get to the level where you're roping for a living, if someone wants to behave like that, it's pretty short lived. It's like, all right, see you later. Just because that's not, it's not the right mentality. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and at the, the end of the day, like, I don't care what event you do. Everybody generally loses about the same or maybe a little more than you win. So if someone gets that fouled up, like I'm to the point in my career, if I can't have fun with the guy I'm roping with and go and, you know, enjoy being out there, I just won't do it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm not into that. Like I've never had anybody that roped so good where it was worth putting up with their shit if they did want to be pissy like that, you know? Okay. So it sucks a the fun of it too, right? Like you say, there's days where we're not our best. It's like someone told me the one day about bull riding. It's like some days we're, some days we're the rank explorers in the world and some days we're round asses and just one of those things where some, some days, some days she just doesn't work out. So and you really can't, you really can't hold a grudge against your partner because that's going to end up being toxic and no fun anyways. Well, and you know what the crazy thing is like when I was younger, I think it's something that everybody goes through is there are times where you might be like, what was that? 
when you're younger. Yeah. And as soon as you start thinking that way, it's like karma has a weird way of biting you in the ass and then you just screw up the next few in a row. So, I mean, we're pretty quick, honestly, to, you know, we practice a lot together. And, and like I said, once you get to where you're roping for a living, um, you obviously have a lot of confidence in that guy's skill and his horses and stuff like that, or else you wouldn't be putting up all of your, you know, money and time and the whole deal to rope with them. Um, and honestly, to me, like, if I have a partner that's struggling, I more want to go to the, the other side of it of like, man, like what's going on? Like, talk to me, like mm -hmm. where you at? Because I feel bad for him. Cause I've been there too. It sucks whenever, you know, I remember when I was roping with Levi, when he first had Annie, his little girl, it was like a learning curve for me too, because I miss and it would kind of foul me up in the head. Cause I felt like I was costing him and his family, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that was tough, but then you kind of figure out where it's like, you know what, anymore, like if you're in that position and you're rodeo on, like you should probably get a day job if you can't afford to be out there. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if you're not winning enough to stay out, well, then the decision's actually pretty, pretty black and white. So yeah. that's well, how I try to look at it. You mentioned that building each other up, it's your bet as a team, you're better off to, to work on that and, and be supportive of each other and kind of have each other's back rather than being pricks to each other and chirping like this. There's no value and they just, it hurts the team more than, than an athlete oh. and helping you guys out. hundred percent. And it's probably the same, like you guys like traveling around, like you're not going to travel with some guy, even if you're both entered in the same event, but you're not on the same team, like you're not going to travel with him. If every time he bucks off, he's a puss about it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. or if you're a prick, he's not going to travel no. with you, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's it kind of is, is consistent all over, all over there. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the roping for a living thing a few times. When did it click for you that you could rope for a living? Man, it's honestly like, it's an everyday struggle still. <laughs> you know um so many things have to go your way like especially team roping you got to have a good horse you got to have a good partner your partner has to have a good horse like it's uh it's honestly like a day-to-day -day deal right now i'm roping for a living because i have a good partner we have good horses it's working good um when it first hit was probably when i first started roping with levi which was my second year rodeoing in the prca um, and we kind of won enough where at the end of the year in the way that we rodeoed, there was money left over in my account. Like, it wasn't like I had to go <laughs> back to the oil rigs to work that winter. Like I did the winter before, you know what I mean? So that yeah, was kind of yeah. the, that was sort of the deal. And, and honestly, I've always had it in my head. I'm like, well, if, you know, if I'm done at the, whether it's the Canadian finals or the national finals and I don't have any money, like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to go get a job. So it's just kind of i'm gonna say it's probably year to year roping for a living so what what year was that was that have been 15 or 14 15 the, i think 15 so the year before you guys really hit it big at the finals yeah, yeah and and sure. you had and you won 50 like almost fifty four thousand us which is still not a ton but it's it was you had a good year in canada probably in 15 as well i gotta look back at the results i don't have it right in front of me but yeah, I think we had a decent year. And then that year I did good jackpotting too. And it was just like, a, like I said, you're not rich because same deal, 50,000 US, it's not a lot. But like at lot, that yeah. time, I didn't have a house payment. Like I think all I had was maybe a truck payment and a phone bill. You know what I mean? Okay, that's fair. That's, that's it's now, a decent. It's more than, more than most people make in a year down there. Yeah. And working, then honestly, after, 
Yeah. And then after me and Levi did really well that year, then like, um, you know, I, I had a couple of awesome sponsors step in and then, and then it's, that's where it gets to where you can kind of start getting the house bought and stuff like that. Cause if you don't have any help going down the road, like you have to win a lot to be able to support, you know, oh, lifestyle, yeah. like wanting to have a house and, you know, Stuff Especially like in the time to vent in, there's so many different elements into it. It's more than just packing a rig and bag around. You got to pack a couple of horses and partner and all that kind of shit. Like you're, there's so many more layers to it on the time to vent side of things. For sure. And like, you know, it, it's expensive for everybody, but when you got to have like a new truck and it's got to be a newer one, because if you break down, you're screwed and that costs money too. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you got to have the horse trailer and the horses to put in it and the fuel and on and on and on. Um, there have been quite a few times where, uh, you know, bull riding looks pretty good to me when you see a bunch <laughs> of guys get into like a little sweet van and haul ass off drinking beer. That looked pretty cool. But then I remember quickly that I wasn't even that good at riding steers. So I don't think that lasts very long. <laughs> <laughs> so, when, when, so when did when did the team roping route become your selection? Like you said, or steer riding really wasn't your jam or like, did you want to try Did you try anything else? Did you kind of want to be a rough stuck guy or? You know what? I kind of tried it. Like I enjoyed riding steers. So I never excelled at it just in the BCRA and stuff. And then um, I got on one or two bulls and just got the piss jerked out of me. Like it, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't my forte. Like I wasn't excelling in the rough stock. So. <laughs> you tried. You I was, an <laughs> yeah. I was 15 or, or something like that, maybe 15 or 16. And then like at that point in time, I just, I hit this huge growth spurt. I was like six foot tall, 140 pounds. And it was just, it was hard. I was gangly. And, you know, I honestly, I just, I didn't love it. And I think those events, it's kind of like anything. If you don't love it, you know, you're not, you're not going to stay hooked Mm -hmm. on it, but uh, team roping, I've always loved it. It's just, you know, it's always been fun. Me and my brothers always did it growing up and stuff. So it just kind of suited me. Do you like watching team roping? yes and no <laughs> yeah i was, I was that- I, anytime i talk to people about team rope and i always compare it to curling it's like it's fun as hell to do but not the best to watch unless you're drunk yeah you know what there's a lot of truth to that for sure <laughs> um, but it is funny because the other day whenever we were in vegas i went and shoot i caught myself just at the south point watching the world series just you know, watching for a couple hours and stuff. So I do love the sport and I can sit there and watch it, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm probably not going to go and, and watch the, you know, high river roping jackpots all day. The high river, te- the high river roping club jackpots. You're not going to sit around and watch those. You know what? I enjoy going and doing <laughs> it. <for laughs> sure. yeah, they're fun. No, I'm not, I'm not going to go and watch it all day, but you know what? Even if I go to a open roping, like it's rare that, I'll go watch all day. Like most of the time I'll just ease around and BS with my friends till it's your turn and then go. But yeah, fair enough. Okay. So you mentioned the South point in the world series. This is something Ted and I was taught. I saw, I was walking home from work and I wanted to ask you this. Is it more lucrative for a roper to go after roping at the world series ropings versus trying to make the NFR like cash, like strictly cash was like oh, remove the world championship. Like, like, so that, like, so like for a guy like you, would you ever, take the world series route over going trying to make the nfr okay so the tough thing for a guy like me so like right now i'm a number 10 healer so the categories at um 
like 13 world, world series. series and stuff like that and, yeah so like this is the thing that's sort of sucky about team roping is the better you get the less money that you get to rope for against harder guy you know what i mean yeah um yeah. So like the open category, I think it paid like 75,000 or something for the team at the World Series. So it worked out to whatever that is, 35, 37,000 piece. So if I have to choose between that or the NFR, I mean, NFR That's, every single time. Yeah, yeah. But two of my good buddies from Manitoba, Kyle Dalglish and Brendan Fisk, they went down there and they won 100,000 a piece. Yeah. In their category, which I mean, they roped their ass off. They roped a great rope and and i mean it was what, just, what number of ropers are they uh i think kyle's five plus and brendan's maybe a six or a six plus so they're pretty handy might be wrong they might both be sixes i forget if they won in the 11 or the 12 but i mean the thing is in the team roping like what i'm getting at is the amateur level in team roping you can win way more than you can pro rodeo and plus like if you enter that like you can direct enter and your fees are 2,500 a man. And then you got to drive there to Vegas, say from Alberta. So like 22 or 24 hours, whatever it is. And then you get to rope. And if it's your day, you want a hundred grand. Mm-hmm. We're like, for me, I think I want 136 at Vegas this year. And I had probably 30,000 in fees, 20,000 in fuel since we had it split up or whatever. So, I mean, your investment is way bigger mm-hmm. to try to make it to the end. And you got to rope 10 steers. Well, yeah, you got to roll real fast. For sure. <laughs> but that's the, that's the coolest thing about um, team roping, I think, though, is like when you are done rodeoing and, you know, eventually it's, it's no different than anybody or any event. The day is going to come whenever you kind of start going downhill a little bit. The cool thing is, is on the way out, you can, you can kind of phase your way out. It's not cold turkey. Like that's something that I've always, uh, found like that kind of sucks like i've got some buddies that rode bulls and stuff and i always think that must be so hard like your whole life that's all that you want to do is be a bull rider and then you find a level of success and you're doing really good and living that lifestyle and having a good time and then all of a sudden it's like boom you're done mm-hmm. like that to me that would be a struggle not being able to kind of phase out of it a little bit don't you think oh yeah 100 that's something it was i battle with every day <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah i fucking kick myself all the time for it yeah Whereas it, sure. it's a good point you make though, because you can like phase your way out and like there's all those the open ropings and so many different things that you can can do. And it's kind of it's kind of a neat way to kind of wind things down, right? Yeah, for sure. Which the cool thing is too is like uh I've got some buddies that did, you know, had really good bull riding careers and stuff. And that's the cool thing about team roping is now they've kind of started team roping and kind of got the bug a bit. And I mean, you'll see them at jackpots and stuff all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that's the thing. That's the nice thing about team roping too. You can kind of pick it up at any point, and there's enough like out there with like proper level ropings and schools and all that kind of stuff that you can get decent enough. You can start jackpotting within a short amount of time. Hundred percent. You you can be you can be sixty years old. You know, sixty five. There's some guys like that are even older than that that just decide they want to rope, mm-hmm. and I mean, they can go do it right. So. So, so what category could Wacy and I enter if we were going to enter? Like, like could we get a like a f- really good, really good healer? And then I'm a four, I'm a four, I'm a four header and a four healer. Last time I was numbered. What are and you, I, Ted? Oh, I don't have a number. I'm not. I don't know how to do this. Oh, so so you're a sleeper. I could figure it out, though, right? <laughs> I could probably figure it out. I could learn. Oh yeah, I could, I could, for I sure. Get a uh, a driveway roping dummy and and start start after it. <laughs> 
That can be some more cowboy shit content for us. We can go do go team roping with Jeremy. Team yeah, Jeremy do his team roping school. But can you get like sure. just speculating? Can can you get like a really good healer and then enter like the enter like like a one with a ten? If you if like a yeah. good buddy with somebody, you can do that. So we can, you can yeah. go on the eleven, like be a number one and go on the eleven. When your your healer's really good. If you're going with Jeremy Teddy, shit. you better make sure your turn steers for him. Though. Yes. Yeah, your head is full of dog shit. You can enter a one. <laughs> Oh yeah, they've got the they've got the like categories. They got it pretty figured out, like um, how to make it work. Because I know, like coming up through the ranks, before I was a ten, I'd always have like my uh, my partners that I'd rope with, like um, um, George Dingerville. He was a guy from down south there. I mean, he was he was older, quite a bit older, and he had a pretty good number, but just knew how to turn them all. And I mean, I think I was seven healer or something. We won a lot that summer. So it works out pretty good to where honestly, whatever level you're at, you can go compete. And that's the craziest thing is like, there's guys, even in Vegas, like they have a number eight where it would be like Wacy or open with another guy like him. Like you guys could go and have a chance to go in 120,000 mm. US, put up 2,500, you know? Yeah. It costs you five just turn three steers. It's affordable to do it. It's, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty incredible system they've built really. Cause there's not even like, there's no, there's no golf that you can go do at an amateur level to do, to win that kind of money that I, that I know of, but maybe, maybe there is, but like, you can't do that with hockey. You can't do that with football. You can't do that with, I don't know, like what, what it's works, it's work, it's more accessible. Pretty neat. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, like Jeremy said, you could be 60 years old and start roping and then yeah, the world series and a hundred grand. <laughs> well, didn't like, yeah. I don't know what age guy comistic is like, that's Brittany's dad. Right. But he, he won a bunch of money again this year and he's already hit a big there before, hasn't he? Yeah, he did awesome. And and Guy is like the perfect example of a retired guy. Like he was rodeoing before my time, but anybody I talked to is just like, man, he was such a gamer whenever he did rodeo. Like he'd win in the calf rope and win in the team rope and all the time. And then he takes like a 20 year break from it. And then he comes back. And I mean, you know, he might've been a little bit rusty there for a bit, but he worked his tail off there for a while. And yeah, like you said, now he's back competing for that amount of money i mean it's it's just awesome like that's what i mean it, you're almost better off to be in this sport to be an amateur level um competitor you know what i mean all depending on what you're after especially like, even like living where we live in alberta like there's so many ropings around like between high river and proca and all different places and the, and the world series roping like like doug he puts us on all the time doesn't he like wilkinson oh yeah for sure yeah. he'll put them on in the in the summer and that was the thing that like last summer I took the year off and I'm hanging out there at Doug's place. And uh, I had to drive to Stetler to go to a one head, like open rodeo when there was a jackpot in my backyard. because I couldn't open it, but I mean, so that's the thing. Like if you're a, if you're a mid-level amateur, you can, you can rope like crazy anywhere mm-hmm. you want to go. And Doug was a big part of your career too, though. Yeah, he was, he was actually a huge part of my career. Um, so when I showed up at his place in what would it have been 2008, maybe 2000, 2009, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, I was like a number five healer. I was 19 or 20 years old. And uh, yeah, it was just a place that I could go where I could rope 100, 150 steers a day. He had all the horses, all mm-hmm. the steers. And it was like, okay, here's, here's your chance. If you want to rope, like you can rope literally from the time the sun comes up till it's dark out. And I mean, that's what I did. It was, it was good. 
that that'd be instrumental in in your success though because there's nobody else like there's nowhere else in canada where you could do that either right no no exactly and and i i kind of knew that like in bc i got to rope a little bit but like all through high school we never had an arena you know barely had any horses you know we kind of had some that we could ride but never really got to rope a lot and then so as soon as I got there I mean I didn't care if he had horses and steers like that's what I was doing I was roping you know so it was a huge part of it because there's no way you don't cover that much ground roping you know five or six steers eight steers a day you know Mm -hmm. you you need to put that amount of time in I think did you uh did you trade like work for him for a place to live and stay or like what was the what was the deal were you just around there all the time or yeah i I stayed there. I moved in. He's got a barn loft there. Um, and basically I showed up, I didn't have much, but you know, I got there and then there'd be times in the summer where I wouldn't leave for, you know, I wouldn't even go to town. I just hang out rope all day, every day. He, uh, I guess it was like a sweat equity deal because I never had to pay to stay there. And, you know, he'd, uh, you know, he wouldn't pay me to ride, but I, I was honestly just thankful to, you know, to be allowed to do that you know that's that's how much i craved it you know what i mean probably got to ride some cool horses along the way too yeah for sure i rode some good ones and some that sucked and you know <laughs> back and forth it was the tough thing about that place is you know you'd get to ride them and right about the time they were getting good and getting fun boom you'd sell them and then it was like no back to the drawing board on that <laughs> that's where the sweat equity comes in you gotta you gotta go yeah yeah exactly but no there there were a lot of uh cool horses that came through there that went on to be great horses you know what i mean and so yeah it was pretty cool any you want to talk about that you wish you maybe could have kept if you would have had some more cash or uh you know what most of the time doug was pretty good to me like if i like pretty much all the good horses i have or have had in my career, uh, basically started out going through that program. And if there was one that would work out for me, he was always good about letting me get into him. So I don't, I don't feel like I, you know, I'm sure there were some that probably would have made it if I would have kept them, but I feel like any of the ones that were like, it was black and white and no brainer. I needed him. He always helped me get into him the right nice. way. You know what I mean? So yeah, we always had a pretty cool, pretty cool deal going who who are some other mentors or influencers on your career like the guys like doug who or even like who have you shaped your roping style after you know what my oldest brother clint he helped me a lot um you know every i've had so many people help me in different little ways you know what i mean um but the big ones that stand out like doug he helped me by having that spot and then clint has a really good way of sort of making roping simple and like you know, comparing to other guys, like, man, I think if you adjusted this little thing in your position or did this, or, you know, he was really good with the mental end of it too, helping, helping me there. And, you know, he was my first pro rodeo partner. So, you know, a lot of stuff you talk about, like having a ditch fight or or being pissed off. I mean, when it's your (laughs) oldest, when it's your oldest brother, that's kind of cracking you out, it could go one way or the other. He could either be a real prick and be hard on you because you're family and he's not scared to tell you, but he was never that way to me. Like he was always, uh, he was always sort of, I guess, grooming me to, you know, for bigger, better things I felt like. Um, but you know, all, all my brothers, like my other brother, Justin, 
Um, he's actually in Arizona right now. He helped me, you know, when I was younger with some of my roping and stuff, but, but even him just when, you know, you're going rodeoing or whatever, just, or in a slump, like just someone to talk to same as everybody. I mean, nobody's out there rodeoing that doesn't have just an awesome crew behind them, whether it's one guy or 10 guys, you know, there's so many people that, uh, you can help Casper Roy. He's, he's one of my best friends. I mean, me and him, we grinded out in the trenches a lot over there at Wilkinson's. And then uh, my youngest brother, Kelly, he was there too. So, you know, there's basically the guys I feel like influenced my roping the most were the guys that I was, you know, basically in the trenches, you know, practicing with and learning with. So my next question is you can pick any team row, any header live or dead <laughs> to be your header 10th round the NFR who are you picking? You can't pick your brothers. Or you can't. No, I'm picking Why? Renner Sharp. I'm picking my partner. You can't right pick now. your partner. You can't. No way. Okay, you can. If you want. <laughs> okay. No offense if to him. I can't pick, if you I can't, can't, you pick, can't pick your partner. brothers or your partner, your current partner, because that's already happened. All right, Levi Simpson. <laughs> you already did it with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. If I can't pick any of my brothers or any of my current or past partners, <laughs> who would it be there you go man that's a tough one you put me on the spot yeah you know what that's what, we, that's what we i'm do gonna here. say i'm gonna say probably speed williams that's not bad oh, yeah. that guy was not so it. clutch and so fast and i mean obviously there's 10 different great headers you could pick but i felt like he was always good like if you if you had to be three on the last you could or if you just needed to catch you could like i mean the guy's a guy's a legend in the in the team roping world okay so flipping the script you're heading 10th round of the nfr who's your healer rich skelton oh <laughs> no no yeah. hesitation okay that's cool i like no. it nice. no for sure you, you, uh, meant, you mentioned levi in there though i think we got to talk about that a little bit and, and where things are at that way are you guys gonna rope again together someday or is it plan with ren for as long as you can go or or like what, uh, like what went, what went on for you guys to go different ways too? I, I think we got to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know what? Me and Levi, we rode together a long time. We never had a crossword. We we're good. We we're good friends. We still are. Um, and we'll still enter jackpots together. I mean, we'll still enter. Um, I was actually entered at Olds this last year before they canceled it with Levi because um, my rodeo count. I needed to get another one in. And Ren didn't have another rodeo that he could count. So I was actually oh, wow. going to enter Olds with Levi. Huh. And uh, so I'd, I'd never say that we wouldn't rope again. For now, I'm, I'm real happy with uh, my partnership with Ren. Um, I bet I could see maybe whenever we're done rodeoing down here, like after retirement down here, I could see us maybe roping together in Canada again. Um, honestly, what happened when we split was we had – a few really well actually every year we had was a good year you know if we didn't make the nfr we made the canadian finals and had a good year like that that last year we just had heck like we couldn't get anything going um a lot of it had to do with my horsepower i didn't have the same horses as before um and we just kind of struggled and then the basically at the end of that year when we had both kind of decided well maybe we should just try something different we got on a heater and I, th I think 
we, we went from having like a far shot to make the Canadian finals. We won first, second, or third on the last 13 out of 15 steers we rode together and ended wow. up winning Canada. So, I mean, that's one of those decisions you look back and you're like, well, maybe we were premature on it. But the thing is, is you, you learn so much when you're up with someone else, you know what I mean? Like I felt like we got a lot better and, you know, we both sort of cut our teeth in our career with each other and, you know, had a lot of success. And then it almost got to the point where, I don't know, it just, it wasn't really working that much. So we decided to do something different. And I mean, after that, I feel like we both got better, you know, he got better like the next year he killed it. Like he headed so damn good all year. And I struggled. I didn't do a very good job. I had a huge learning curve in 2019 and, um, you know, Levi did awesome. He obviously did awesome in 2020, made the NFR and Arlington or whatever. And, and even this year he had it outstanding. So I think we both, uh, have got better since then. And I, I'd never say that I'd never rope with him again. You know what I mean? Cause you know, you never know. And I know jackpot and like, we usually do pretty good at jackpots and stuff. So we still sort of rope that way. I was really when curious you, about that. Sorry, go ahead, Ways. I was gonna, it's, it's a silly question, but it's, it's a good one. So when you, <laughs> so like when you, when team ropers, like part the guys who rope together for a long time or whatever, like without your career, when you end things with a partner, is it kind of like when you break up with a girl or like getting dumped? Is it like you kind of like sit each other down and be like, look, like it's not you, it's me. No, I'm just I'm there just not ready. Be, there might be some that that way, but no way. No, none of mine have ever gone that way. Most of the time, it's I'm just, like I'm just not ready to commit full time right now. You know what? I I bet some do it that way, but I look at it like it doesn't matter who I've roped with. Like, you know, me and Levi were so tight. We were more like brothers yeah. than friends. Like we were so tight, and to me, it's honestly like if it's in your head that you should be, or maybe you're thinking about roping with someone different, you're honestly not winning enough for that other person either. You know, I always try to keep it fairly black and white. It's like, you know, if we're not winning, well, if it's not enough for me. It's probably not enough for you. So, you know, if I, if I roped with them in the first place, I obviously really respect, you know, their game and their skills. So it just, a lot of times the chemistry just doesn't work as far as horsepower or anything like that. Like there might be one guy that you're up with that has an outstanding head horse, but say my heel horse isn't fast enough for this or that. I mean, hell it's no one's fault. It just didn't work. You know what I mean? But it's actually like, um, it's also like really good relationship advice. If you like think about it, there's like a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, break it up. Break it up was never my strong point. <laughs> <laughs> you just gotta approach it like breaking up with a roping partner like you know just just isn't that chemistry there you know if, if it's not enough for me it's probably not enough for you yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, geez. Oh, no it's it's actually oh. rare you usually don't hear of anyone just having like a real dramatic like you know <laughs> okay what's the best one though split. there's gotta be there's gotta, there's gotta be, be one there's gotta be one there's gotta be some you don't yeah, have to name okay. any names just to yeah. say it are you sure you could we could you could if you want I'll tell you the one that you see all the time. And I don't need to name any names because you see it a few times a year. But the popular deal with team ropers when they want to split is one will tell the other one in like the middle of the summer. They're like, man, I just, I can't do it. I got to go home. Like I can't afford to be out here or whatever. And the guy's like, okay, sounds good. 
and they'll kind of split. And then like three weeks later when the books are closed, they're entered everywhere with someone else. Ooh. So that's sort of like the, that's the popular one. Uh, and then there's always the good one, like the, you know, they just enter with someone else because they didn't really want to tell them. They got to find out the hard way. Or, ghost so there's a lot of times. More than, not, more than not, I'll tell you what happens is someone, a disgruntled partner, will go to the other guy's disgruntled or the other guy's partner that doesn't know he's getting cut yet and be like, my partner just cut me to rope with your guy. And then, you know, that's how it works. But honestly, it's, it's not very dramatic. Most of the time, I, f- I feel like maybe uh, in the different ranks, it might be, but when you're doing it for a living, it's, if you're getting cut, you know, it's coming because okay. you haven't been doing a real good job and you're kind of expecting it. So it's, mm. it's never like a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then you, you mentioned it's not very dramatic, which event do you think has the most dramatic competitors? Dramatic competitors. Calf roping. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I was going to say team roping has got to be close. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I guess you probably never, you, yeah, it's, I respect that it's because you're a team roper and you said it about yourself. That's fair. Okay. I can see it. Yeah. I'll tell you this though. <laughs> I'm jealous of like the bulldogging camaraderie. Those guys are just like Bulldog. a bunch of like football, like bros. They just, they just party. They have the coolest thing. They have the coolest thing going. I think they're all bros. It seems like meet up before the rodeo, drink a couple beers, drink a handful afterward, roll on all good. The only and, the only and a handful of beers for a, t- a bulldogger's 24 25. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they're huge, because yeah. they're massive humans. The oh, rough stock events, I like how they get their own locker room at finals and stuff, though. And that's pretty cool, eh? They kind of hang out and drink beer and whiskey and stuff. That's pretty cool. Team ropers don't really do that. Team ropers and bulldogs always have had good, um, like relations, it's always been. Been like good, good. Like any, like I used to have a bunch of my, I, my buddies with Tubbs and McLeod, and like every time he was out at a rodeo with me, he'd pull my rope for me. Oh, for sure. No, I'm I'm good friends with a lot of bull riders. Actually, I get along good with them. Uh, one of the coolest times I ever pulled a rope, uh, I think it was Lonnie West, maybe. Pinoca? I was at Caldwell oh, and uh, on, at the rodeo, and he was up, and I don't remember exactly how it went. It was a few years ago, but no one had rode in the bull ride, and. I think he was there alone. I don't know if his traveling partner or something maybe got hurt. And I rode out and he's like, Hey, can you pull my rope or whatever? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And I went and pulled his rope. No one had rode. And he just hold it out of one. He was like oh, nice. 88 or 89 points. And yeah, it was, it was pretty. And that sweet. was all you. I felt like it had a lot to do with the rope. Pull. <laughs> 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 That's no. a, it is pretty lonely out there in the in the old PRCA once in a while though, especially being from Canada. Like I remember going to I went to a few when I was there and it was like, Yeah, this is like nobody gives a shit if you sit on a bull at home or who you are from back there. This is the this is the real deal now. It was it was a totally different different scenario. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm I'm always gravitated to like the other Canadians and like the young guys that are just kind of starting out just because like you said i don't i know what it's like when it's your first year and like you don't really know anybody and, and you know what we are so lucky in canada like rodeo and the cpra is sweet there's oh, so yeah. many good people and mm-hmm. not that it's bad in the prca but like 
it's a there's lot so of many people in the PRC. Whereas like up here, you kind of have your consistent crew of like your top guys going around everywhere. Whereas the PRC, there's so many contestants. Totally. Like, and you know, you know pretty well everybody. You know what I mean? Like you might not know them great, but you know them good enough to sort of BS them or whatever. Mm. Where you're right in the PRCA, like, shoot, there's there's people we'll go to rodeos where I don't even know who some of the team ropers are, you mm. know. Oh yeah. Um, Especially some of the circuit rodeos, probably. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, there's that's the coolest thing though. It don't matter if you're in Canada or the States. I mean, it's it's usually a pretty pretty good group of people if they're at a rodeo, it seems like. How'd you how did you find your first NFR? Did you kind of feel like an outside outsiders or would you feel pretty welcomed by the crew or what what was that vibe like? Yeah, no, they were they were all good. Like when uh um shoot the first NFR when it's starting to look like you're going to make it, like it's probably like any event, there's like a magic number that it usually takes to make it. Once you're getting close to that, I mean, yeah, everybody starts pulling for you. They're on your team. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like you make a really good run or win good. Like everybody's kind of following and excited about it and stuff, but yeah, it's shoot. I've, I've had so much fun. I, I really miss rodeoing in Canada last year. I hope it goes this year. I want to go back. You uh, love to see you back up here. Yeah, we hope so. We, uh, uh, cause, cause Ren spent a lot of time up here too. He actually, like, he started coming to this, uh, Canadian rodeos in like what, like, oh, eight, nine, ten, like quite yeah, a while ago, now, right? Like a long time. Yeah, ago. he yeah. spent a lot of time up there. Yeah. Uh, what's the craziest find you've got at the NFR since you've uh, been competing there on three different times? The craziest what? Fine. When they fine you for everything you can be fined for under yeah. the sun. Did they fine you for your beard length? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I got a I got a funny I got a funny story about NFR fines. But to answer your question, in 2017 I got fined for $250. It didn't tell me what it was for. And when I called in, they couldn't answer what it was for, but they knew that I had to pay it or else I couldn't uh enter one of the rodeos. I forget where it was. Oh, that's brutal. what? Really? Oh, yeah. They send you just pages and pages of fines. It's crazy. But so my fiance, Katie, she got her own rule made for at the NFR. Really? So when Levi and I had won the world after the 10th round, my good buddy Casper, he was there. And so, you know, before they do the buckle ceremonies where they have like all the smoke and stuff and you come out of the like from in between the buck and shoots and you walk out to your saddle and stuff. So the lights are off, it's dark, and they have the smoke, and, like, the stage is sort of set. Well, they open the gates, and Katie comes running through the smoke into where I was or whatever. <laughs> gives me a big hug, and these, these security guards are chasing her down, trying to get her, like, get her, there she is, get her. And then they take her out. Well, it turns out Casper had thrown her over the fence into the arena and made her, you know, run down back there, so... The next year that I made it in 17, the updated rules or whatever, it's like a $2,000 fine or something if a family member's in the arena after the 10th round of the NFR. Wow. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Yeah, it was funny. So what, what was your, yeah. what's your worst fine bill like for at the end of the finals? Like that, that just seems like some of it seems ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's uh, just 250 bucks. That's the only time I was ever fined there. Oh, okay. No. Goody two shoes. Yeah. Anticlimactic. I thought you'd have a have a no, greasy one for something yeah. stupid too. <laughs> Is there... No, I've been I've been pretty straight and narrow. 
Yeah. What's the craziest one you've heard about in the team roping? Or is it not too bad? Or witnessed. Or witnessed, yeah. In the team roping? Uh, I've heard of guys getting like five and $10,000 fines for getting into it with the judges. Really? Oh, wow. Dang. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not very long ago. I won't mention names, but the guy was kind of mad at a judge or something, kind of stared him down. They find him for staring him down and excessive dallying or something like that. It was, <laughs> it was so stupid. That's yeah. like some of the NFL penalties they throw when those guys celebrate touchdowns. Like, come on. Oh, man. Yeah. Leave him alone. Yeah, God, that has some fun. Jeez. What about the yeah. what about the one with Joe Frost? Didn't didn't Joe Frost like have some disagreement with Boyd Paul Hamus in the stands, and they gave him some stupid fine, and he wasn't even riding? Really? Yeah, he I retired. So. He retired after. <laughs> we never have to pay the fine. Yeah, there was something some <laughs> weird going on there. That's wild. Okay, uh, I don't know. And the fines are crazy, but I just I feel like if you can get fined for some of those things, I feel like there should almost be like a. A citizen's arrest or like you should be able to find them for things <laughs> <laughs> reverse fine but no what you gotta yeah, do what you fine. gotta do is pack a, a reverse uno card in the front pocket of your shirt and they're trying to find you just like pull it out no for sure because there are Jokes times you, bitch. Where they do deserve to be fined and they're not because yeah you know they're the, the judges the... no mm-hmm. not so much judges and not so much like i'm not one of these guys that just <laughs> is rude to the association or nothing. Like I'm thankful to have places to go CPRA, PRCA, but just little things. Like if you can be fine for something stupid and like they're late sending your money out or, you know, have you ineligible and it's a mistake on their part. I mean, you know, should work. You find them back. That's true. Yeah. I'm going to find them back. Citizens arrest. Get an entry. (laughs) (laughs) Get an SM entry fee credits. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So, question i want to ask is is there ever any like team versus team drama like say like you know like on anchorman when like the channel six news team throws down with like all the other news like is there ever like just roll up and there's just a you guys hate this other team and you just kind of stare each other down or <laughs> want to brawl no <laughs> yeah. no I've, I've never i've never really ended up that way i mean to me normally if there's a rivalry it's because they're they're really good really good yeah yeah it's like and then even it's it's not even like it's anything personal it's just like more of a from a competitive standpoint it's like Crosby versus mcdavid or Crosby versus ovechkin kind of thing exactly there's a lot of respect there and you obviously you know if you're feel like you're kind of competing but i honestly i don't do good anytime i try to like compete or beat anything like i gotta keep it pretty simple and just yeah try to do your job you know yeah um earlier on you mentioned like how there's these innovators in the sport who are always changing it and moving it around who in your mind because you're, like, you're a veteran now i guess like who in your mind is the next big innovator in the sport of team roping for me in the healing it's jade corfield yeah. like i think he heals so good like i've been a fan of his and his fundamentals are just they're unbelievable he's in my mind you know as of right now you know Obviously, Junior is the best. He proved it. They mm-hmm. keep track of it. I mean, he's the best healer in the world right now. You know, they keep track of that for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, he's one of them, too. But Jade, Jade's always one I've kind of looked up to. I think he's found a way of, uh, you know, doing a good job of sort of keeping sort of a complicated thing simple and, you know, doing good with it. Have you ever gotten your beard caught in a dally? Never, <laughs> never no. once. <laughs> no, not once. I got it caught in zippers. I mean, it's, 
Yeah. What a story that Casey. what a story that would be just for like the pro rodeo sports news. Bueller catches a beard and dally. I'll tell you this, my my little brother Kelly, if he was the team rope right now, he'd damn near get his caught. He's got really? a long one, but I think I'm about to take mine off for the winter. Starting so how so how long does it take you to get to the Duck Dynasty level beard? Uh, <laughs> well, seven or eight months, I bet. And then what oh, do you really? use to maintain said beard? <laughs> Shoot, I, I keep that pretty – I'm actually a pretty simple guy. I keep it pretty simple. Just the shampoo, conditioner, that's it. Just, yeah. Well, Nothing special, no secrets. We happen to be sponsored by Manscaped. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and they have some really isn't nice that for, That's for shaving, though, isn't it? That's not Oh, for, they got all different types of things, man. Like, you go on there, uh, you probably get some beard balm, beard oil, beer shampoo, like, anything you could ever need. Our promo code is HugeBush. You can save 20%. Perfect. <laughs> there you go. You can, shift, oh, you can shift away from the shampoo and conditioner. How do you like that as a sneak in for the ads, Teddy? Hopefully they have stuff for uh, for actual shaving. They might. Yeah, don't actually know. But either way, they got some, they, they'll, have, they'll have something that'll work for you. Even if you need a razor, just shave it off. Yeah, I will be needing one of them. I'm thinking, uh, Jeremy, I... Um, I had a couple more questions. So you mentioned uh, reading a lot. So what are the actual books you've read or are reading right now as far as the, uh, the mental side of things go or, or the business side? Do you, have a, you, do you have a business degree? You studied business in, in school at, uh, was it Leveland or where? Forget yeah, right now. I went to where? Leveland College. I, um, South Plains, yeah. Yeah, South Plains there. Um, and I actually took welding the first two years. And then... Um, yeah, I kind of started business. I never got a business degree, um, but the books that I enjoy, like the inner game of tennis to me is the best by far for like, if you're a young up and coming healer, just because so much has to do with reaction time. And when I was young, I always would get mad or like frustrated with myself and think that it was because I, I wasn't thinking right when I was competing, which is why I didn't do well when that book has a lot to do with uh, sort of staying out of your own way and explaining how thinking can potentially get in your way. Um, so a lot of it has to sort of help you with reaction time. Um, another one's with winning in mind. Um, that's one. That's a big one here. Let me double check. I think that's the one that um, actually like Casey Field he's big on and um yeah with winning in mind by lanny batham and ran actually huh. told me about it too um so i just started reading that one there before the finals that one's actually really good there's a lot of content out there like for a guy that wants to you know if you want to learn about it you know work on that end of it there's there's all sorts of stuff out there huh i was just curious on spe- specifics though for somebody who might be listening to hey I heard about I heard about this from Jeremy Bueller and he this is what he rates. Like I just yeah, I just want to like know that game, way. Yeah. Inner game of tennis by far, like that's the one. I okay. think if you compete in anything, you should you should read it. Okay. So building on that, what's what goes through your mind when you're backing in the box at like a ro- any rodeo, whether it be the NFR, Pendleton, Calgary, Pinoca, what like not Calgary, but Pinoca. Any of those ones? Like, what is there like you run through like a mental checklist or you kind of keep your mind clear? Like, what's your approach in the box? It took me, it took me a long time to be comfortable with it. Um, 
but it almost like, I don't know if you guys ever had it when you're competing, but like you show up and you almost feel like you're kind of half asleep and you're a little bit worried because you feel like you're not really <laughs> checked in because you're not like hyped up. Like I'm not a guy that, you know, crank the music and get pumped up and stuff on the way, you know, when I'm pulling into a rodeo, I like, I like to keep it pretty simple. Um, but it took me a long time to be comfortable with that sort of laid back mm -hmm. attitude. And, and really that's when I feel like I kind of check in the best is when I'm just calm, not really thinking about anything, just a clear mind, which honestly, and you guys try it. It's a lot harder to not think about anything. Oh when you man, think. it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. I don't sleep at night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I try to keep it pretty simple like that. And then honestly, I think about like, the first thing that I have to do when I leave, you know, um, which sounds oversimplified, but the biggest thing is like my start, like mm -hmm. when I go. So the first round of the NFR, I got to the steer way too fast. I covered him up and I roped a leg because I was too close. So literally the next nine rounds, all I was really thinking was that I wanted to see the steer a little further out and then just make sure that I could see the feet. And that's as simple as I keep it. Um, I'm pretty confident just because I practice a lot. Like today, right before I came in, shoot, roped, you know, 5,000 steers. Yeah. And it's, to me, it's, um, you know, if you're confident and put the work in and then you show up, I mean, you're not going to think your way through what to do. I don't think so. I just, I really try to get to a spot where you're just, really not thinking about anything and just out of your own way to react. And, and that's what the inner game of tennis is all about. How many, how many hours are you still practicing per day? Like in the off season right now, like what, what is, what is your day? What are your days looking like now? Um, you know what? A lot of times, I don't know, from like a hourly standpoint, I bet I'm in the arena five, six hours a day, maybe. Wow. Um, before the NFR, I actually, I practiced quite a bit, but I, I tried to not overdo it. I think you can, like Burn when I was younger out. and I can't stress that enough for the younger guys, like until you're a 10 healer or an eight or a nine or whatever, like you should be wanting to rope hundred steers a day as far as healing goes, because it's a pattern deal. You need to, you need to get a feel for it in the pattern. Now it's more, um, like I'd rope on three a day before the NFR. And then honestly, the last four or five days, I'd, I'd run four or five steers on the horse I was going to ride at the NFR every day. And then the rest of the time, I just, you know, I played some golf, kind of took it easy. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to press and feel like I was wore out by the time I got there. I wanted to be excited to rope um, whenever I got there, not be like, okay, I'm wore out. Mm -hmm. But now like the off season, now's where I'll ride four or five, six head a day, rope probably, you know, 50, 60 steers a day. Oh, wow. So, so I so still was, rope quite a bit. And was Ren with you there? Like his address is Utah, but does he, does he stay close by? So you guys can rope together heading into Vegas? You'd have to, I would think. Yeah. So he was renting a place uh, just north of here about an hour and a half. So every other day I'd drive up there and we'd practice and stuff and and kind of get ready because you're right it's it's important like the timing of that run like you you dang sure want to be you know ready you don't want any surprises there hmm. and then during the nfr are you what are you doing during the day are you getting some reps in on your dummy or are you or what are you doing there are you just taking it easy 
And where do you stay too? I'm curious on that. Where, where do they put you um, up at? Where do you guys stay? So the T-Roper stayed at the Cosmopolitan, which is an awesome hotel there. Um, it's really nice. It's kind of close to the Thomas and Mac. Um, and honestly, once I got there, I've got this firm belief, like once you show up, like your work's done, like even roping the dummy, I didn't rope the dummy. I didn't practice during the day. Um, normally I'd get up, I'd go like most of the time you got to go sign autographs for your sponsors. Um, you know, hour, hour and a half a day. Um, we kind of take in Vegas a little bit, me and Katie, we ease around and then we get back to the room around noon or one. And I, I just hang out and watch some TV and just sort of try to stay relaxed before we went that night. We'd have to leave the room around, you know, four quarter after four rodeo started at five forty-five there. So, uh, you wanted to be there, you know, early, but not terribly early. And, you know, you kind of get into a routine just like anything. I want to ask about Wade Sundell's wreck in the grand entry where you, did you Man. see that shit? I couldn't believe that. Actually, I could believe it, but I felt bad for him. Because here's no the deal. Doubt, Every yeah. time we go, whenever we go down into the alley before the um, grand entry started, like, he'd be riding this horse and he'd be curl hopping around in a circle in the back pen. Jesus. Kind of getting him out of it, which, I mean, you kind of laugh and you're like, well, he's a bronc rider. Like, it's what he does. <laughs> but at the same time, how bad does that suck to get taken out by some dink saddle horse? Yeah, you no could, doubt. You know, he was out getting to ride. He'd won the night before i think yeah he won the just, round. yeah he just won the round his groove yeah that's yeah. a brutal deal that was a tragedy it's kind that's of when, that's when you need your citizens arrest reverse fine for the league there you go reverse <laughs> fine <laughs> bringing a dink flag horse yeah that's yeah. what you get <laughs> oh man it's a ten thousand dollar fine well speaking of bull riding coming from bc like you and i think you and uh posi were buddies too at, at yeah we were yeah, right? i actually uh I was lucky enough. I think I was there at the first rodeo that Posse got on a cow. Really? Yeah. And you know what? It was it was like nothing I've ever seen before. Actually, him and Clay Elliott were a lot alike. I was there on uh, one or two of Clay Elliott's first rides too. And those guys were like such naturals and so good. Really? that Just their love of the sport from that young of an age was was so cool to see. So, so I like I gotta ask. Uh, it might not be super relevant, I guess, uh, but I, but JB getting knocked out in like the, what, the second or third round and then competing the rest of the week and fell off everything. Like that was, in my opinion, I, he looking back, maybe he probably shouldn't have got on it for a few days. I don't know what the concussion protocol is, but it seems a little bit fucked up that he rode all week. Uh, what, what are your yeah. thoughts that way? I'm with you. Like when I watched it happen, that wreck, like, I felt so bad for him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was like, it was scary to watch for me. And I know I'm a team roper, not a bull rider, but like, I don't think there was anybody that wasn't cringing watching him when he was all the way knocked out, still taking them horns to the head. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like it was tough. And then, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Cause I guess I can't think like a, like I don't have the bull rider mentality, but to me, it's such a, a mixed feeling. Well, it's the same as that bulldogger that was there that had a tour peck. Like, yeah, I get it. You, you sacrifice so much to be at the NFR and the last thing you want to do is sit out. But at the same time, it's like, they've done tests. They know how dangerous it is to ride right after a concussion or, or whatever. And 
to me, it just seemed, yeah, I don't know. That, that's a tough call. It's hard to say. And even it seems like seem like a step backwards in the sense of like everything that's been accomplished via like the Ty Posman Foundation and the narratives that's changed around the sport. And and even like I'm sure there's been an effect across all rodeo events, not just in the bull riding. And then you have a guy who's such a prolific figure kind of going against everything that's been worked for to that point. Well, I know, right? And th- and that's the thing, like the and it shows like JV's an amazing bull rider. And I feel like if he doesn't get knocked out, like he probably wears out every one of those bulls that he bucked off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, that's just, geez, it's a, it's a tough deal right there. But yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I honestly, I don't even really know how to comment on that. Okay. Um, I wasn't sure. I just, I wanted to throw it out there. We'll probably have another conversation with, we might ask JB about it. I want to ask a few people about it because it doesn't, it just doesn't seem right. And like, you know, We'll get bucked off everything the rest of the week. Maybe looking back, maybe it wasn't a great call, but um, okay. There's uh, I was looking at looking up a couple things beforehand, and uh, I got to throw a name out there. Um, Dean Tufton. He he's one of the only other healers. Him and Marty Becker, right? To that have even made the NFR on the on the healing side. Is that right, or did Marty make it in the? Uh, as uh, Marty made it in the calf or open. He was close. You know what? Close. Okay. I don't say it about anybody, but Marty Becker should have made the NFR on the healing. Really? He heals amazing. I, I honestly don't know how he never made it. It, it, you know, he healed so damn good and still does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dean, he made it back. When was it? Two, 2000, 2000. Didn't he rope with speed or something? Wasn't that the deal? Wasn't he? Yeah, he did rope with speed. They won season oh, yeah. leader. Yeah, they were first. I think that's, what's that? That's nuts. Yeah, it's it's wild. Oh, yeah. The... Like it's it's harder. That's on my bucket list. I'd love to win season leader one year. That's that's one of the hardest things I think to do. Hmm. But, but still, cool. yeah, but, he was the first. He was the first Canadian to make it, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then uh, um, you guys make it, Colton. Um, Colton's there, and Clay's been pretty close as well. Clay Eulery. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, you know, he won the Canadian Championship this year. I thought he, I thought he headed really good up there. Those guys, they, oh, they yeah. did a good job. It's hard watching on the couch, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, uh, for sure did good. Uh, okay, so I was looking up some other stuff before here, though, and and you actually went on a hunt. Did you did you go on a hunt with Matt West with RMEF after like the 18, 2018, or what was the deal there with? with the uh, hunt? So twenty seventeen, I actually won an elk hunt, um, donated by the RMEF. Yeah. On the Matt West podcast or whatever, on his show. Okay. And uh, yeah, so me and Matt, we went on that hunt there at uh, in Cascade, Montana shoot we had a blast it was so much fun oh that's wicked who else was we on went, there uh, with you guys? hill was actually the guy oh, oh no nice. shit that's cool <laughs> yeah oh yeah he's a good guy we had a lot of fun oh that'd be a good awesome. time well i think the yeah. last one of the last times i saw you was at uh, like the bull riding at barize's house i don't know i remember you were there was that that was that this year or last year that would have been or two years ago that might have been two years ago oh shit okay that was a tough night. I, I rode over there with Kyle Wilson. We went to watch some bull ride. Tyler Thompson was roping bulls. He, uh, us three, we bought, I forget who it was riding, but I feel like the bull was maybe pound the alarm. Does that sound right? It might have been then, that yeah. Bull? Yeah, that's a bull. It's true. And, probably, uh, would, probably been pound sand, though. That point. Oh, it might have been pound sand, yeah. At 2019. Might have been, been pound sand, yeah. You, you got caught up in the Calcutta, probably, and had a had a rough time. <laughs> 
yeah, we won the Calcutta, and then yeah, the rest of the night was history. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you did. didn't walk out of there with many Calcutta winnings afterwards. That's funny. No, Holy no, God. I reinvested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I donated back to the community. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it was a good time. Those bull ridings are cool. There's quite a few of them now, isn't there? Like sort of, I don't want to call them like backyard bull ridings, but like there's a few for sure. You know, some pretty good ones as well between uh, well, the, like the glenn keely is basically a backyard bull riding now yeah it is now yeah, yeah it's just pretty south. cool and then that they got that arena in longview which is pretty badass yeah didn't yeah. use it this year that's but cool yeah oh that's there awesome. should be cool. a there should be an amateur section in the bull ride like a pro-am where you get to ride a bull but it's just one that's you know an not overly rank holy that could be that could be a thing pro-am i'm gonna write this down team, team aspect well, that's, that's yeah, for the, every uh, guy that's kind of like, man, I yeah. could do that. And you just have one that'll kind of step around them. So it'd be easy. And then you could have your uh, amateur bullfight, your pro am bullfighting at the same time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. You'll kill somebody with the pro am bullfighting, man. Oh. With some, uh, with some heifers or something. Oh, shit. We were at yeah. the, those bullfights in Fort Worth last weekend, man. And that's the scariest shit in the whole world. Ooh, there were some dangerous ones. Oh, man. God. I thought but, some guys were going to die. What are uh, what are some more goals for you though? You mentioned being season leader. Uh, getting back to the top's probably got to be something on the list. I got I got so I got to follow up too. But but what what are some more of your goals, Jeremy? Because like, you're gonna like I wanted to ask kind of what what would be you know how long how long do you plan to do this as well? Like you can do this for quite a while still. Honestly, like I feel now, like I felt like when I did win the world. I don't want to say it was premature, but it, it happened a lot sooner than I thought it would. Um, you know, we kind of got on a heater there. and I mean, it worked out and then I made the finals again and I had a terrible finals. I didn't rope very good. That was hard. You know what I mean? And then the last few years have been a little bit of a struggle just trying to get back to the NFR and stuff. And it sucks when you're sitting there kind of going like, you know, have I lost it? You know, I was having good years in Canada, like one, one twice. Uh, yeah. Canada twice since I won the world and and that was good but I mean obviously I, I love competing at the at the highest level still um to me I'd like to win the season leader in the PRCA I feel like that's a, a very you know prestigious thing to win um I don't know how long I'll stay hooked on it I mean I don't I don't have any kids yet I feel like when I do that'll have a, a big bearing on it you know what I mean because I don't feel like I'll be a guy that's kind of like in the middle of June. All right, well, we'll see you in October, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'm really. That's wired. a boring thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, uh, but you know, I, I honestly feel like I'm just kind of getting into my, my prime now. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm just kind of getting to maybe some of my better years. We'll see. I mean, time will tell, but um, yeah, right now, as long as it's fun and as long as I'm, still wanting to do it because you know you can make some money doing this but honestly if you're in it for the money you're you're in it for the wrong reasons we all know so as, as long as it's fun and as long as i enjoy going and competing and feel like i can compete at the highest level i'll i'll keep going down here as far as rodeo in canada i mean i'll probably do that until they gotta scrape me out of the arena like you're gonna are you gonna flirt with like rod rimmer like that that long that long of competition for another bc guy or what oh my goodness i don't, I don't know if i could catch rod rod he put in a hell of a shift but <laughs> oh shit i'm gonna give i'm gonna give don napoli a run for his money though 
Oh, there you go. Oh, oh I like that. You heard it here first. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so are you making enough of a living? Like, are you happy with 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 it as far as that way? Like, that's not gonna be the reason you you would quit it, I guess. Really, that way, but you got to be content with yeah. where things are at. I'm happy with it. I mean, the thing is, is I enjoy it, and I'm able to pay all my bills. And you know, honestly, as a kid, I really didn't come from from much. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so. I don't need a lot, but as far as it goes, like, you know, if you can handle your house payment and you're making enough to where you feel like you're being a responsible enough adult, I mean, yeah, I'm going to keep on doing it. You know, what I mean? that's the gray yeah, exactly. area though. That's, that's the gray yeah. area. Now, what is your definition of responsible <laughs> yeah. adult? Well, I'll put it to you this way. When I first started rodeo and my only goal was seeing how I could figure out how to make my credit card limit higher so that I could keep rodeoing. Yeah. I mean, those days are gone. I'm not, yeah. I'm not at the point where I'm going to max out a credit card because I have to do it. You know what I mean? But yeah, you know, like I said, if you've got the right horses and, and a good partner and, and you're making it to the finals, I mean, it's so much fun when you get out there. I don't know mm-hmm. how anybody that could do it wouldn't do it, if that makes sense. So in your letter to yourself with the team roping journal, uh, friend Chelsea Schaefer, she, uh, formerly Chelsea toy, she, uh, like got that letter that you published and, and one of the things in it was uh, was that credit card debt for like three years worth like it actually took you three years to pay that shit off what what oh, yeah. holy when was that was that like before you got hooked up with Levi like 10 11 12 kind of thing or when was that that was my first years pro rodeo and so 2013 when I first was kind of cracking out and then 2014 my first full year I mean yeah I've I finished up and I had I don't know what it was, 22, 23,000 in credit card debt, oh, 19%. I was paying whatever I could every month. You know what I mean? And still just trying to make it. And that's the big thing. Like that's something that's important for anyone listening to is like, everybody says that this, you know, well, how much money do I need at the start of a year to make it to the NFR? And honestly, you don't need that much because if you're going to make it to the NFR, you're going to win enough to keep going. That's yeah. That's the big thing because the first year I made it to the finals with Levi, I had that credit card debt. I had a $850 truck payment. I owned my trailer and my horses and I was paying down that credit card debt every month too. And I think I only had like 5,000 cash in my account. Yeah. Going into the finals, like going into Vegas. This was at the, this was at the start of the year. Oh shit. Oh wow. Okay. So I really didn't have, you know, if you're looking at the on paper where it's like, well, my fees are going to be 25 or 30,000. My fuel is going to be 15, 20, 25,000. Like you don't have to start at the beginning with 50 grand cash because honestly, if if you're going to burn through that, like the good thing about rodeo is they'll let you know in a hurry if you're good enough or not come about the end of July, you'll know if, if you got the game to make it to the finals or not, because no one goes into the, or very few people go into the end of July and uh have nothing won and then end up making it to the finals like i think even this year i only had like 3500 won or something going into reno into and i was like okay well i guess i'll see how it goes and by the end of july we were you know in pretty good spot but huh it's kind of like it's definitely a gamble right because you're you're betting on yourself to go in and show up and win and your fees are you know your your most expensive fees for the year what 500 bucks 750 2500 if you go to the world series like it's a pretty 
small amount to gamble for a pretty large payoff if you can keep winning really yeah absolutely and that's and that's kind of my thought like and i think that you i think everybody like if you're at the point where you do rope good enough and you think you do or ride good enough or whatever i tell everybody i'm like who cares enter up like go try them on you never know it could go your way yeah but you know if you're just at home like somebody's got to win and if your name's not in the hat you're not going to be it yeah you know so to me that's always been my thoughts even the first year that i started rodeo and i was like well i don't have a whole lot one but if i can get to reno and pay the fees and whatever i mean someone's got to win it yeah you know may as well be me yeah well exactly right yeah. so oh, really and then back to the credit card debt a lot of that like or even the partnerships and stuff with roping i went into debt because at that point in time I just kind of thought that's how a rodeo and was where now it's like, if I'm at the end of July and I haven't won anything in the PRCA, like you're not going to see me down there in August. I'm going to go home and I'm going to reboot and I'm going to, you know, make some horses and do some schools and do whatever I got to do to still make it a good year. But yeah, those first years, it's crazy to even think back how, you know, like middle of August, I really didn't have much one. And we were still just put your name down, keep going, keep going, which I think is an important part of it too. But at the same time, you got to kind of pay attention to the financial end of it too. Well, and so, so if you had 20,000 in credit card debt, how much extra did you have to pay to before you got that paid off? Like at 20 points a month, are you paying an extra $4,000 in interest every month? Like, is that how that really is? I don't, I don't know how oh, it even goes. Like it'd be, an astronomical amount that you have to pay extra for having that. I, I'll tell you this. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I remember that I was paying more than my minimum on it. And I wasn't making hardly any ground. Like when yeah. it sends you that deal, you know, on your credit cards, when it's like, if you keep on paying the minimum, my deal, the one time it was like in 27 years, you'll have it paid off. Holy shit. At and the I minimum. was like, oh. yeah. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this isn't good. And this was after then, you won a hundred thousand at the World Series. Like you already had some yeah. major cash in the bank. No, at that, that point. yeah, that hundred thousand went fast because, like <laughs> I said, I was I was born and raised, you know, with not a whole lot. I won a hundred thousand, and I thought I'd never see another poor day. Yeah, you know what 100%. I mean. Next thing you know, year or two down the road, and you got nothing to show for it, and it's gone. I mean, you've you've got some serious thinking to do, you know, on, you know, your spending and stuff like that now this time around like since then i've been i've been very fortunate um like the last time i did good at the nfr first thing i did was i paid that credit card debt off yeah and that felt so damn good in fact it felt so good that i still leave the reminder on my phone to pop up to tell me that my mastercard payments do just because it still makes me feel good to know that i don't owe anything on that card anymore. <laughs> you know <laughs> um but you know with that hit like i bought this place in arizona and stuff like that you know, this month's same deal. I'm going to try to put it toward, you know, something, whether it's another place or save or some money. Yeah. Stash Absolutely. it away. I mean, yeah. just put it forward and hopefully at the end of your days, when you're done rodeoing really hard and have the family life or something, you can leave with rodeoing, you know, giving you something more than just the fun and the memories. Right. Mm -hmm. oh, absolutely. Okay. So before we wrap things up, we want to know, your definition of cowboy shit. 
my definition. You guys never even give me a heads up on this one. Man, we you ask never give every anybody. single guest. Yeah. Every single guest we has on the show, we ask this question, dude. <laughs> my definition of cowboy shit. I feel like my definition would be like when shit's going sideways <laughs> or you're in a wreck or it's haywire or upside down, inside out, like you stay hooked. You kind of take another hold and stay hooked. So I'll give you a, a good example. Pendleton. Like, <laughs> say you're tangled in a rope and the cow's running around you and it's complete wreck. You stay hooked because that's cowboy shit. There that's is. what I think. There it is. How like close it. am I? Hey man, so there's no, hey. there's no, like, we don't, we don't have an exact definition of it. We like to hear from everybody. It's kind of like, we've kind of boiled it down to an essence is more, more or less than an actual, like, definition it's more of a feeling or kind of whatever everybody else interprets it interpret it interprets it to there's no like written definition of it in our very opinion. subjective yeah exactly could be anything i'd agree yeah yeah i'd agree oh, okay pendleton though how cool is it to win that sucker that was cool that's yeah. cowboy shit right that's <laughs> cowboy shit yeah it's badass yeah and there were some guys getting mucked out pretty bad there like what mucked out worse in the team roping than the bull riding in pendleton this year I know I felt bad. Riley Miner was right on the bubble, and yeah, he got X'd out there. Same deal. I mean, kind of had a steer that came left. I mean, he wasn't laying up, trying to, you know, team roping for the most part is pretty safe. There it gets pretty dangerous, though, in a hurry. I mean, I've had horses go down there. Luckily, I never got hurt, neither did the horse. But yeah, he got he got hurt really bad. Um, he's just now. I seen him the other day. He's just now getting back, but unfortunately, yeah, he roped good all year and never made the finals because he got X'd out at Pendleton there and uh, didn't really get to finish out the season. That's right. Have you have you done any of those uh, pasture opens, like the wide open one deals? I've done it a fair bit. I, I haven't entered any. Um, I I'd love to do one of the, enter one of those things. They look so fun. You guys should host one. The cowboy shit wide open yeah, that, pasture open. That could be fun. Yeah. Yeah, Doug would probably help us out with it. Guarantee you would. Yeah, he's hell even yeah, got he gopher holes all over that pasture. It'd be like a <laughs> an added, uh, like an added. Uh, he's got to go over to like the Mossley feedlot, learn their like stubble fields, and do it in one of those. Just get real <laughs> oh, squirrely. Yeah. Hell yeah! Shoot, yeah. Oh, shit, it'd be good. Well, thanks that for was... doing this. It's I, we don't want to keep you too much later, so thanks, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it a lot, Jeremy. Shoot. This is a lot of fun. Sounds good. Thank you guys. Nice, Jeremy. Congrats we'll on a great year. We'll see. Yeah, best luck in 2022. Probably starts pretty soon already too, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. I think we entered Denver whenever we were in Vegas. So yeah, oh, wow. back to the back to the drawing board, clean slate. Oh so. wait, hey, Calgary. Wacy mentioned Calgary. That was one thing. The team open was supposed to be in Calgary in twenty twenty, and then it got and then it got canceled. But like hopefully it'd be back in twenty two. It'd be able to make your way there this year coming up. I know, that'd be sweet. And actually I was supposed to get to compete in Calgary this year and uh something got fouled up with the qualifications and I never got to. So yeah. it'll be my first time this year. Oh, heck yeah. Um, should have well, qualified this year. So how uh how tough was it getting your qualifications back after a year off in 2022? To be able to make the finals like that takes a bit of work to like to get your status yeah. back up, doesn't it? Yeah, it was tough. Like uh with no Houston and San Antonio paying less this last winter, um it was a little bit easier because most times if you go to San Antonio, Houston, the American stuff like that, like 15th place might have 25 or 30,000 one by the end of the winter. And 
honestly, we didn't have anything won. Like I said, like we went into Reno with 3,500. It, it sucked not having, you know, not getting to go to some of them or whatever, but um, yeah, this year it's going to be nice. We get to go to the American and Calgary and uh, we actually made the Dodge circuit finals too. So we're, we're in everywhere. So okay, and that, we can capitalize a little bit. What the hell is with them calling the circuit finals, the NFR open? Like, is that, is that what that is now? Or like what the, what, what is this? What is this NFR open bullshit they're up to? That's really I haven't even heard about it. Oh really? Apparently that's another, the another citizens arrest scenario. Yeah, apparently this go. is a circuit finals <laughs> of some sort. Okay, I don't know what's going on then. Maybe I'll leave it. All good. Thanks, boys. Okay. All right, Thanks, we'll Jeremy. see you. Appreciate it. All right. See you later. They will. A little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Tight pants points hauling it down. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high Way up firm and high Out past the cornfields where the woods got heavy Out in the back seat of my 60 Chevy Working on mysteries without any clues Working on a night moves Trying to make some front page driving news Once again, thanks to our guest. He's a two-time Canadian champion, three-time NFR, 2016 world, world champion. Champion. Champion of the world. And a deadly dude. Jeremy Bueller. That, you know, one thing I meant to get to with him was uh, the NFR in the media room after they won. The usually the media media room is a pretty calm place. You know, everyone's just kind of like taking it easy mm-hmm. and it's pretty quiet because everybody's trying to get work done over there. And it's in like a basketball court. Uh, like it's pretty far away from the arena. It's like back up the back, um, yeah. back of the time of it. it's back up that way. And it's pretty far, a little jaunt over there, but Casper, um, he was probably pretty loaded, uh, but really excited. And he was just the entire time. I got to use the mic really carefully here, but it was just like, whoa, every, every about 10 minutes, just chucking <laughs> woos. And not every 10 minutes, but every th- three seconds. Yeah. Everybody was just freaking out. So pumped up and everybody was chucking woos. Like it, you could never, that like they were going out of style. It was, it was That's cool a moment. very, very rambunctious media room when the Canadians were the world champions in 2016. It was, like nothing I'd ever experienced. And I'd already been going there since 2011. So it was like my seventh NFR doing media shit. And it was very rowdy in the media room when those guys were. <laughs> you know, was, it's going to be a bit rowdy when the Canadians come to town. That's yeah, sure. Casper was fired up. It was awesome. I, I don't know. I forget who else was there now, even back there. But like everybody's family's back there. Skeeter was back there. Linda was back there when Zeke won it as well. It was mm. his first one. He was unexpected to win too, but kind of one of the, you know, I, I guess we, I never, I, I forgot to ask him about it really, but it's like one of the biggest moments in Canadian rodeo history for those three to win the world. Yeah. At the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's cool, man. That was awesome. It might be something. And even in the, seen. even in the, like the team roping, like that's something that doesn't happen, you know, like hasn't, there hasn't, there hasn't been many, had, can, yeah, you, know what I mean? you know what I mean though? Like, yeah, it's so difficult, especially in the team roping, like it's so competitive. Like Jeremy talked to the interview and for those guys to show up there and, and get the job done, which is such a cool moment in Canadian rodeo history. So, mm-hmm. and well, and, and I think one of the interesting things we talked about was how the barrier to entry in the very side of things, it's, it's lower than 
you know, it's not as low as the bull riding, but I think it's lower than you think. It's definitely not a cheap thing to get into, but if you could, you know, pay somebody on out of your winnings on, on, on a mount and, you know, if you got, or even get a good, even if you get a good horse, like, yeah, maybe, but I'm saying, I'm saying like to get a good horse is going to cost you 10, 20, 30,000 truck trailer like all this stuff but if, but if you're going, up, but if you're going roping like you're not going to be mounting everywhere especially if those no probably not but i just mean like if you want to try it out and do it once in a while like i've i've team roped and i'm not a team roper you know mm-hmm. what i mean you've team roped and you you actually were a team roper but <laughs> but you know what i mean like like yeah, it's easier yeah. to do than to just go jump on a bull for fun that's what oh, i'm trying yeah, to say like you can't do like, it yeah no, no and no. and like like barrel racing too like i've i've barrel raced you've barrel raced like it's it's one of the things in our I'm undefeated in barrel races tech yeah it's one of the thing. One of the things in our sport, though. Actually, one year I won more money uh, team roping than I. Oh, even like Jared Parsons. Uh, I actually have won money in team roping jackpots, like at the uh, at at in PA at, yeah. at the arena. At the I've actually won some money at that thing before, right? So like, there's some of that kind of stuff that uh, that. Uh, it, that well, Jeremy, Jeremy put it a good way in a good way in the interview was. You can be 60 years old, pick up a team rope and, or pick up a rope and decide you want to go and, and you yeah, can be good a few years and win, and win some big money, right? So mm-hmm. it's a pretty cool uh, structure that way on that side of the sport. And and then like how golf. popular it is too, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's like the, it's like like the rodeos golf, right? Because you yeah, can kind of do it for a long time. Um, Except there's more money for amateurs, which is kind of neat too. Yeah, I, I it's kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know if that's something that you see in many other sports. I also I'd think... It's probably a bit easier to get good at team roping than it would be at golf. Golf is fucking hard, man. I bet you it's similar. Honestly, like you say, you're a four header, which is probably like a 15 handicap in golf. Or maybe it, maybe yeah, it's yeah. like a 25 or 22. You know what I mean? Though? Like closer to 15. You know, 15? most people are like a fours or fives. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, like if I just started, credit. give me some credit. You'd be a two or you'd be a one or a two when just See? starting. But yeah. I've got better. I've got a little better golf cred. Little like margin. Well, we're not comparing about golf. We're talking no, about but I'm, but I'm saying. But I'm saying uh, I'd be a two, like just starting. Wouldn't I be a zero, or is a zero somebody that? No, I think a one's like even ride. It's like one to ten. Like as soon as you, as soon as you enter your one. Yourself. Yeah, but you get you buy your membership, and then they number you, like they watch you rope. Okay. You, and they'll number you off of it. Huh. Yeah. But you've but you've put more time into golf than you have team roping too. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. But I but I bet it's I bet it's almost I shouldn't say identical because there's so much like you got to be a good horseman to be a good team roper because you have to have the horse do what you want it to do yeah there's yeah you gotta be a good clubsman to be good at golf it's true <laughs> uh, okay so we were in uh <laughs> we talked to jeremy a lot about the nfr we were there for a couple days Wacy got to the perf i didn't get to the perf but i kind of honestly wasn't that interested in going i've been to that nfr before been to the rodeo and it's kind of a similar show that you see we did time. a we did a lot of activities in a short amount of time in vegas so we rolled up there go to the raiders game and the knights game same yeah. day was on a hundred dollars Canadian for four beers at the Raiders game, <laughs> which was a cool experience, man. Like that. It was unreal. I was, I was I, so pumped I, for that day. Like I was, yeah. I was vibrating, like just shaking the whole time. We saw Cabby Richards walking across the bridge mm-hmm. going from the, uh, I guess the, what, like the Mandalay Bay across the arena. Like it was, yeah, it was so cool. Badass dude. Yeah. Hell yeah. So cool. I, yeah. It was uh, a really cool experience to go see it. Got to meet Brent Fitz, the drummer for, he was at one point the drummer for Alice Cooper back in the 80s. It's kind of cool yeah, if you're, 80, if you're a rock fan. Um, met Pepper, uh, Pepper Foster from Pepper Foster. Pepper. Just yeah, randomly man. at the hockey game. Met the lighting director for uh, for the Vegas Golden, Golden Knights. Knights yeah. And then hats off to the Vegas Golden Knights for their production. Like I'm a Impressive. ride or die Flames fan, but they Impressive. they kicked the shit out of everybody with their deal. So Saw our pal Brendan Parker there. 
uh, the next day, was it Monday? Like Monday at like what? Like 11 a.m. Did we just go get a case of beer and walk up the strip? Is that what we yeah, did? Or was it noon? What time of That's the day was big. it? It was, it was like morning, 11. wasn't it? Yeah, it's big morning. We, it was yeah. it was an appropriate time to grab a case of beer. Yeah, we got a case of beer and just like, Wacey got a pack of great prime time. I, <laughs> I think I bought them, didn't I? Didn't I, just yeah, you was, I was trying to buy them and you like, wouldn't let me buy them. I was like, I got it. I got it. Was it was like three bucks freaking... for a pack. I didn't realize how cheap it was going to be. Uh, yeah, we, but we got a, I think our whole, we a case of beer. We had a case of, a case of beer, six pack of beer, prime times, a lighter, <laughs> and then a, a, a little champagne for Storm and a couple other things. It was like 23 bucks. <laughs> America. Yeah, yeah, so we bought, we literally bought the, we bought all that for the same price as one beer. Canadian one beer at the, at the football at the game. Raiders game, which is kind of cool. <laughs> but that was a fun, man. That, that's one thing I really, like, even last time I was in Vegas, is just, yeah, just bombing up and down the strip and seeing what you can find. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's quite a place. You can see some cool shit. So, Did some fine dining in Vegas, too. We had uh, a Gordon Ramsay meal the one night. Yeah. And we had, didn't we have something else good the next night, too? We uh, yeah, at, yeah, we went to Robert Irvine's, had a good dinner there. Oh, that's right. Too, as, a, yeah. as a Tropicana. And then, yeah. yeah, I went to the rodeo with Corb. And we went to the, the Baca presentation. It was really cool. The oh, yeah, with the Montana there. crew. Got to, Flint gave me and Corb a ride from the rodeo to the Baca presentations. That was then, a fun ride. Yeah, Flint Yeah, Flint sings with uh, Chansey uh, Williams as well. Mm-hmm. That was entertaining. It was a f- pretty fun, qu- uh, action-packed three days in Vegas. We, we, got, we, got the, we got the most out of those three days. Oh, okay. But on the way to Vegas... Pretty fun story. So we were checking in and I had my, oh, yeah. I think I brought my passport. I don't know if I did or not. I think I might've, but yeah, you did passport. I think we were flying, we were flying from Dallas to Vegas. It was domestic. So you didn't need a passport. Yeah. And I, and I had some airline points. So we just jumped, like jumped off flight. It was super expensive. Otherwise like $1,400 just to go to Vegas for a few days. Mm-hmm. But luckily just, yeah, just use the points in that situation. And then uh, we get to the airport though, and I, I show the lady my Nexus card because I had it handy. And Nexus is kind of like a North America, like a pretty solid way, and it gets you pre-checked, like it's worth having for fifty bucks and going through the going through the trouble. But so I show her my Nexus card, that was all good. Wacy shows her his Alberta ID, and she's like, Alberta. <laughs> and there was like a big pause and a bunch of, you know, I was like, no, it's real. Like, and I showed I showed her my Alberta license, and she's like, wait, mm-hmm. Alberta. So is that like uh what did she say? Is that a, is that a uh one of the uh is that like Puerto Rico where it's like uh <laughs> what I, what was it what what was her wording though? It was something I don't about, honestly dude, I don't remember. Well, she thought it was like a uh No, uh, like I, I legit like I just like a Republic of the United States or something. Oh yeah, no, I don't that uh, that that morning in the airport's a blur for me, dude. That's true. That was a bit of a blur. But but it was she thought Alberta was like a, a province of uh, or a territory, a U.S. territory. She's territory, like, yeah, US yeah. Territory, Alberta yeah. is that a U.S. is that a, one of those U.S. territories? And I was like, no, we're we're from Canada, we're our own country. We're mm-hmm. we're from a few miles north. I'm lucky you were there because I'd have been in a bind had you not. Yeah, luckily I was like, just show me show me your passport, waste. We'll get out. Of this. I didn't have my passport with me. I, she just accepted my ID. Oh really? No, I'm pretty sure. No, I did have it. No, I had it with me. I did have a passport. Me. Yeah, luckily, passport. Otherwise, she would have not known what an Alberta driver's license was. Now I got but stuck. Anyway, they didn't even check our passports when we got on the plane. It was pretty wild, but it was pretty funny. Just uh, talking to Americans, we could you could really mess with a few folks. Oh man, yeah, that's like we're a completely different, it's a strange world up here. For it them. is, but yeah. The other, what was the other one where you were? I was at the, uh, I was at the football. I was at the football game. Yeah, and um, the. Uh, I was wearing my rider jersey and some guy asked me like <laughs> college that was at. And I was like, dude, there's a province in Saskatchewan, like Canadian football league. Yeah. Like, oh shit. <laughs> so anyways. Oh shit. Um, 
Okay, man. Well, I guess the last thing, just if you got, if you want to get some cowboy shit for Christmas, you better put your orders in. Good fast. time to do it. Good time to do it. Cause we'll be home for a few days, but the mail, you might not get it now, but you can maybe get like a post Christmas gift. So send a, put them in, put them in. Send, we'll get them to you. When we send get yours to you. In. Exactly. Mm. Got a couple and, new things. Uh, Going to have some more new stuff for next year. There's some new caps hitting the website all the time. Had some stuff trickling in that we've been ordering for a while. So yeah, check yeah. it out. Cool, check man. it out. And we can't forget to finally thank our sponsors one more time. Our friends at Manscaped. It's the holiday season. You want to keep your jingle balls all nice and clean, <laughs> all nice and trimmed up. They'll be ready for you. Um, but yeah, don't forget to head to manscaped.com. Use promo code HUGEBUSH to save 20% free worldwide shipping on us. We love them. Thank you, Manscaped. They're deadly. Um, and then our friends at Circle 4 Beverage Company, Circle 4 Ranch Water, the sweet water, ranchwater.ca. Check them out. Get your ranch water today. And that's it. My food is here, Teddy. Oh, summer's here? That's a wrap. Okay, all right. Summer's here. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Leave them lights as they are And keep your clothes on I've had more than my film Whiskey and women and good-hearted villains But there's a wickedness in me still Keep that gun locked away, locked away, boy Well, you know you're an angry young man Going in town with six rounds, you're sure to be hellbound. That house you got's built on the sand.